Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Welcome to the playoffs. We've got play-in matchups coming at you this week. One game or two games, winner go home. Cavs, Nets, Hawks, Hornets, Clippers, Timberwolves, Spurs, Pelicans, all fighting for their lives this week. Use the link in the description to this episode to sign up and get a 50% welcome bonus using the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, when you make your deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of The Take It. Easy Podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody. It is April 14th according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever you may be listening. We have... Our friend Cam from Daily Sports Dosage joining us. It's the DSD in the morning coming at you on this fine Thursday. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. We're going to talk NBA playoffs. We finally get to talking about the Tom Brady story a little bit, which I assume we'll talk about all throughout the NFL offseason once the NFL matters more. But yeah, Tom Brady fake orchestrated his retirement with the Miami Dolphins, or fake orchestrated his retirement with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so that he could go run the Miami Dolphins and ultimately get the Buccaneers to trade his rights to Miami, which they'll probably do next year in a long con game for Tom Brady. And it all got derailed by the Brian Flores lawsuit. It's absolutely amazing. We'll talk about that a little bit and get you set on the NBA playoffs. But first, 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 first and foremost, we got to talk about something that happened back on Tuesday that I didn't get to talk about on Wednesday, even though it would have been the perfect place to have talked about it on Wednesday. So let me take you behind the scenes a little bit. I run a comedy club. I had to be out on Tuesday night, and so we finished recording our podcast during the Nets and Cavs game. Kind of guessed that the Nets would win when they jumped out to a 40-20 to lead, so we recorded that first segment yesterday, which is very fun, laughing at the fact that I've never watched an episode of Animal Kingdom on TNT, and yet... I'm very sad that the show is going to end. Also, Ben Simmons' outfit. Also, the Cleveland Cavaliers. We did that show yesterday. Fun. Yeah, whatever. Little did I know that the Minnesota versus Los Angeles Clippers play-in game would have this amazing, amazing storyline that I'm now risking messing up on, I guess, what is it, Wednesday? 
because I'm recording this on Wednesday so I can talk about the Timberwolves and I risk running the same thing about the Hawks and the Hornets game or the Spurs and Pelicans, which can't be that interesting, but still the possibility of intrigue around the Spurs and the Pelicans play-in game. But anyways, the thing that happened was the Minnesota Timberwolves won in a comeback against the Los Angeles Clippers, where Carl Anthony Towns had four fouls and two points in the first half, had 11 total points on the game, and fouled out with seven minutes left to go in the game. And when he fouled out with seven minutes left to go in the game, Paul George and the Clippers were up by six points. They were up six points with seven minutes to go, and the best player or second best player on the Minnesota Timberwolves, at the very least their leading scorer, fouled out of the basketball game. And after Carl Anthony Towns fouled out, you could infer that the Minnesota Timberwolves, who already were like slightly better than the Clippers, but not that much better than the Clippers, might have gone on to win. If not for the fact that the Clippers did the thing that they did they the thing that they did to Utah in 2021 where in game 6 Terrence Mann like went for 40 points and just played him off the court or pl- sorry played Rudy Gobert off the court they did the same thing to themselves against Minnesota because Reggie Jackson literally played worse in the fourth quarter than Carl Anthony Towns at least Carl Anthony Towns gave them zero Reggie Jackson actively did damage to the Los Angeles Clippers And D'Angelo Russell and the Ant-Man both had 28-plus points. I think D'Angelo finished with 29, and the Ant-Man had 28 for Minnesota. And those two combined helped get Minnesota over the hump, when in the past, like, if they didn't have Carl Anthony Towns, they'd have huge negative numbers when he left the floor. Like, even with Wiggins on the floor, or even with Josh Okogie or Jarrett Culver, who used to be on the team, Like, their numbers would just dip significantly when Towns went off the floor. And if you want the difference between the 13th seed Minnesota Timberwolves, who, when Carl Anthony Towns for a full calendar year was averaging 30, 10, and 6, if you want to know the difference between that team and this team, it's that when Carl Anthony Towns goes off the floor, the Ant-Man can give them something, and D'Angelo Russell can give them something. And those valuable players are good enough to get them into the playoffs especially in a Western Conference where five of the teams were actively trying to lose. So Minnesota goes on a 24 to, I think, 24-13 run after Carl Anthony Towns leaves, and then we get the controversy that dominates the news cycle of unwritten rules of baseball, but except now it's basketball, where Clayton Kershaw gets pulled after throwing a perfect game and everyone is outraged because he broke the unwritten rules of baseball when Clayton Kershaw himself says, no, it was the right decision. My arm wasn't ready for full game action. That's the lockout's fault for having him be in a place where he couldn't go all nine innings and ruining possibly the 24th perfect game in Major League history. And the unwritten rules of baseball say if a pitcher's throwing a no-hitter or a perfect game, you gotta let him keep going which I don't disagree with, I just don't agree with. It's kind of in the middle. You do it by ear. Just don't let a rule, universal truth, that's not actually a truth, dictate your decision. Which brings us to the Timberwolves, which is don't let a universal truth dictate how you feel about these situations, which was the Minnesota Timberwolves, after beating the Clippers, 
Patrick Beverly and Anthony Edwards jumped up on the table in Minnesota, the scores table right along the side, took off their jerseys, howled to the crowd. Patrick Beverly threw his jersey into the crowd and then ran around the court with some rando chasing behind him in just an absolute fit of celebration. And for people who don't know what happened right before, Patrick, if you look at Patrick Beverly's stat line, it's like 7 points, 11 rebounds, like 2 of 8 shooting from the field. But what was awesome was in a 4-point game, Patrick Beverly got the steal on, I can't remember if it was Reggie Jackson or who it was, but he got the steal at the end of the game that put Minnesota on the free throw line to essentially seal the result of the game. Paul George hit a three-pointer like right after it, but it was all semantics at that point because there was just no chance that they were going to be able to catch Minnesota. And it was just pure elation. Because Patrick Beverly got to get the game-winning steal for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And they got to celebrate like they had just won the NBA championship. And everyone was coming at them, clowning them over it. And you know what I'm going to say to that? If you aren't going to get excited after winning that, then we're doing something wrong here. We are doing something wrong here. Everyone, I mean, not everyone, there there are more people in my camp than there used to be, but everyone wanted to make jokes at the expense of the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I say that was the most enjoyable thing I had seen because that meant so much to Minnesota. And this is all sports are, right? It's stakes and it's storylines. This game had, other than like the winner go home game to break the playoff curse in Minnesota, this was the Jimmy Butler team. For people who don't remember, the one year Jimmy Butler was on Minnesota in 2018, they had like a 12 year gap without making the playoffs. They had a winner go home against the Nuggets, and Minnesota won on their home court, and they got the eight seed in the playoffs. Like, other than that game, which by the way, in that series, I think they lost 4 1 to the Rockets team that like James Harden won the MVP that year. Like, other than that game, this was the most stakes a Minnesota Timberwolves basketball game has had in 20 years. 2004 was Kevin Garnett's MVP season where they made it to the second round or the conference championship or whatever it was. 2004 was the last time there were stakes on a Minnesota Timberwolf basketball game. And you've created the stakes and now you build the storylines and you can make this the feeling of championship rah-rah for Minnesota. And I don't understand why people are making jokes at this expense because Sports are about adjusting your expectations. You can absolutely adjust your expectations in these cases. Like, people are going after Minnesota and kind of saying, like, the Timberwolves acted like losers. The Minnesota Timberwolves are losers. The Minnesota Timberwolves are losers. By the standards of even the New York Knicks, the Minnesota Timberwolves are losers. They are minor league basketball. They are tier two soccer teams. They are just a tier below everyone else. The only good things that ever happened to the Minnesota Timberwolves is because the NBA system is set up in such a way that you are inevitably going to get talented players if you are bad enough long enough. You're going to luck your way into talented players. It may not be as good as Kevin Garnett, 
you're still going to luck your way into incredibly talented players. Minnesota, think about the best four players that Minnesota has had in the last decade. And you can throw Kevin Love in there too. Kevin Love gave them four years and then got traded to, uh, who was it? I think Kevin Love got traded to the Cavs for Wiggins, right? So it was Wiggins and Bennett going the other way. The Post-Kevin Love, the most talented players in the decade since, because it's been eight years since Kevin Love got traded, in the decade since Kevin Love was there, the, the four most talented players Minnesota has had, Carl Anthony Towns, number one pick in the draft, Anthony Edwards, number one pick in the draft, Andrew Wiggins, number one pick in the draft, D'Angelo Russell, number two pick in the draft. Like, they only get good things that happen to them when talented players come in. By the way, how did they get D'Angelo Russell? They traded him the number two pick in 2015 for the number one pick in 2014 in Andrew Wiggins. And trade worked out great for both parties. They're still both incredibly, incredibly talented basketball players. And so Minnesota gets that bump because like Minnesota gets back to just a base level of competitive. It took seven years with Carl Anthony Towns to get back to a base level of competitive. Yeah, they got the, they got the one playoff run with Jimmy Butler and that, that, you know, you get to break the drought then. But overwhelmingly, like just to get to a competitive level of basketball, it took them 15 years to get to that place. Yeah, the Minnesota Timberwolves are losers. They are a poorly run organization. And you know what? Losers change their expectations to make things reasonable because that's just what humans do. If you're the Minnesota Timberwolves, you cannot expect to win an NBA championship, at least not in like five years of drafting Carl Anthony Towns, even if Carl Anthony Towns is the most special basketball player in the world. Say they had drafted Jokic instead of Carl Anthony Towns in that draft class. Like, even with just Jokic, you can't reasonably expect to win an NBA championship in Minnesota. It takes such a magical confluence of events to even have a chance. And so in the absence of that, adjust your expectations. That expectation can be, let's go to the playoffs. Let's have a fun time going to the playoffs. And Let's just have a team we can be excited about. Let's just have a team that makes us want to watch Timberwolves games. Let's make a t- let's have a team that makes us want to invest in their storylines. It's like when the Lions went crazy after winning a game to go 1 and 11 or 110 and 1 earlier this year. Or for me, cuz I've got personal connections to all of this stuff, when the Padres went bonkers after coming back from down against St. Louis in the playoffs last year, which, by the way, was the first playoff game of my memorable lifetime, and in the grand scheme of things didn't matter because people can't tell you anything about that series besides the fact that Fernando Tatis bat-flipped against the St. Louis Cardinals. Nobody remembers that series at all. Most people don't remember what... Most baseball fans don't remember what happened to the Padres after that series happened. And that series only existed because of a COVID pandemic season. So what? I can tell you every single moment of that series. And the reason why is... I choose to invest in losers. I love emotionally investing in losers. When I was a child... I rooted for the San Diego Chargers, who were good when I was a wee-wee child, but between 2010 and 2017 were just, like, not good at all. And I invested in the Lakers, who were just piss-poor terrible in the 2010s. Lakers had a worse record in the 2010s than the Knicks, 
and the 76ers who spent four years just actively tanking. I rooted for the Lakers as a kid and all those baby Lakers. I rooted for the, um, I mentioned them a second ago. Who was it? Oh, the Chargers until they left San Diego. And I rooted for the Padres. Literally one playoff victory in my entire childhood for all of my teams. And you know what? It was really fun to get invested in those teams when they actually had a semblance of being good. And it was fun to invest in them even when they sucked. I still throw out Chris Denorfia and Everett Cabrera and your Vitorialba, Nick Hunley and Ryan Ludwig as and Matt Latos as fun names from my Padres childhood because those teams sucked, but they were the teams that I got to emotionally invest in. So give fans a reason to emotionally invest. When people are so quick to judge losers, when the losers themselves don't have the same expectations, Minnesota was, I mean, inside the NBA is the easiest one to target there, but that's their thing, and I like the entertainment value of doing it. But everyone else, like, don't judge the Timberwolves for doing that celebration, and don't judge the fans for being absolutely elated, because they're losers, and it's okay to be losers, because everyone celebrates in different ways when you have different expectations. All being a loser in sports is, is you adjust your expectations to give yourself emotional victories to compensate the emotional lows. Sports are basically just a a blend of emotional highs and emotional lows, and the thing that generates interest in sports is investing in stakes and storylines. It's why I love storytelling in sports. It creates storylines. And for Minnesota, this is an amazing memory that, you know, if they never do better than this, like they're going to lose to Memphis in the next round. That's why they're celebrating like it was the championship. These fans will remember that for years and years and years to come. And it's going to be the thing we all remember about Minnesota was Patrick Beverly getting a steal in the equivalent of a game six. By the way, this is the reason why I love the play-in game is because it creates a game six and game seven feel out of nothing, which is fantastic. And you get that game six feel like like when, um, what was it, when Clay Thompson hit those 11 three-pointers for the for the Golden State Warriors or when Kawhi Leonard hit the game winner in the finals against the Golden State Warriors. Like, that was the feeling that you got in that game six. This game six feeling. The series, it's not over if you lose, but if you win, you get to advance. If you lose, you have to go play game seven. And you've created that feel for Minnesota for the first time in years. 15 years you've created that feeling for Minnesota. And for them to get that with number one picks and number two picks, now they get a moment to carry with them, a team they can rally around and get emotional investment in. And by the way, that's as good as a championship because championships are just the same thing. They're emotional feelings. I may never get to see a championship for the Padres in my lifetime, and that's fine. I can emotionally invest along the way and also realize all of this stuff isn't serious. It's taught me to think that I don't have to be miserable. I don't have to take sports seriously. Rally around being a loser. Embrace being a loser because it's going to make life so much easier for you. And I talked about the stakes and the storylines before. This makes me turn a little bit here to Patrick Beverly because 
If you want to invest in a team, which is what Minnesota is essentially fighting for here, is a reason to invest in a basketball team for a team that, by the way, we talked about before, like owner is kind of problematic. And also the general manager of the team was fired for having an affair within the organization. They hired a coach just to fire a coach midseason and then immediately put Chris Finch in as the full-time coach, which is exactly the nepotism type hires and all of that stuff like that. And Minnesota put themselves in a position where just by lucky, by being terrible enough, they got the top picks to make it work. And we t- we did multiple shows last year about what the hell is going on with the Minnesota Timberwolves because they are like the 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 way I make jokes about the Sacramento Kings. It's all applies to Minnesota as well. They're basically minor league basketball teams in cities that will rally around them if you give them a reason to. Also in cities where there's just not a lot to do. Like Minnesota, there's just not a lot to do. Sacramento, I live here. There's not a lot to do besides go to Kings games or go to events around. You can find reasons to be entertained. There's just not as much to do as a large city that draws your attention away. Where like, you know, LA Kings games get 7,000 people. And even when the Kings are, the Sacramento Kings are shit, they still do better than 7,000 people in a similar sized arena. While Sacramento is a population of a million and LA is 11 million. But bring it back to the stakes and storylines, because essentially sports are just stakes and storylines. That game gave stakes unlike anything Minnesota has had. And as a sports fan, I know we crap on Patrick Beverly a lot, but this was Patrick Beverly's greatest career moment. And so if you want to laugh at him crying after the game and you want to laugh at him standing up on the table and doing all the crazy stuff like everyone gets on Patrick Beverly for a lot, like... It sucks because the storyline is so good with Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly, for people who don't know, Patrick Beverly played college at Arkansas in the 2000s. And this is back when we were really on that academic integrity stuff. And so because he cheated on a test, Patrick Beverly essentially got banned from playing basketball at Arkansas. And this was around the exact same time that people were getting on Derrick Rose for his SAT scores and all this stuff when like these players... If they don't want to go to school, they shouldn't have to go to school. They should be getting compensated by the NCAA to play minor league basketball. It might not be the most eff- the, the best decision, but Patrick Beverly is a star player in this respect. And so Patrick Beverly leaves Arkansas to go play for $100,000 over in Ukraine. And Patrick Beverly played in Greece and Russia in Ukraine for four years. He got drafted in the NBA. He got cut in the NBA. He had a daughter at 19 years old, and so that incentivized him to go play in Ukraine. Patrick Beverly goes from playing international basketball for four years, signing with the Houston Rockets, who are also the team that gave P.J. Tucker that opportunity after the you know the Suns brought him back into the NBA, and then the Rockets brought him, and then he went to M- Milwaukee and Miami, and now in his 30s, he's like this modern NBA super weapon type. Patrick Beverly signs with the Rockets, spends a little bit of time in the G League after four years of playing international basketball. He Just scrappy defensive dude and just being good at defense makes him the fourth string point guard to the third string point guard to the second string point guard, which gives him enough minutes to score 10 plus points a game. He gets $23 million from the Rockets, which is a lot of money. But then when you think about it, 
today's mid-level exception is less than that dollar figure, and Patrick Beverly got this deal right at the start of the salary cap boom in the NBA. Like, he got $6 million for four years, right as the NBA salary cap was about to explode in 2015. And so, Beverly gets $23 million for four years to stick with the Rockets, and he he gets a first-team all-defensive nod in 2015 or 16, I can't remember which year it was, but, like, Patrick Beverly goes from, like, playing basketball in Greece and Russia and Ukraine for four years to the G League to fourth-string point guard to third-string point guard to second-string point guard to getting a new contract to starting point guard on the Rockets. Like, it's the story that everyone loves to eat up and say, like, this is a rags-to-riches story, or, like, a person who just kept persevering. Like, all the cliche bullshit that we like to do in telling sports stories that, you know, make Rudy a movie, or make all of these movies, like, inspirational, whatever. Like, that's Patrick Beverly is that. And then, by the way, when Chris Paul becomes available, he's one of the pieces that's just, like, seven pieces that's just thrown in in a trade to the Los Angeles Clippers. Like, goes from fourth-string point guard on the Rockets, third-string point guard, second-string, starts, makes a first-team all-defense, traded to the Clippers to get Chris Paul, and the reason you got traded is the reason the Rockets all of a sudden go to the conference finals and almost win the NBA finals in 2018, if not for, you know, as the Rockets would attest, blown officiating by the referees. And so he goes to the Clippers, and the Clippers give up on him after 2021, and this is when he develops that scrappy personality, and now NBA Twitter hates Patrick Beverly. They post racist images of Patrick Beverly and the guy who's like his jaw flunt, his jaw goes up and down as he's like barking like a dog. They post racist image. They do it a lot, by the way. I'm stunned that no one calls them out on this. They post the racist image of Patrick Beverly on Twitter. And now everyone on NBA Twitter thinks Patrick Beverly is an oaf. And then the Clippers adopt the they hate us because they ain't us thing. And then in 2019, he's clapping in Kevin Durant's face because they stole a game from the from the Warriors. And then Kevin Durant comes out the next night and drops 45 on Patrick Beverly. And, you know, after 2021, he basically, like, so the Clippers make the conference finals and he basically gets benched at the end of the season. It's like you're in your 30s now and they're giving up on you. And the the captain of the Clippers gets traded to Memphis and then me- never plays a game with Memphis. He gets traded to Minnesota. And he's sentenced to essentially the purgatory of basketball. Minnesota is where you go to watch your career die. He got benched in the playoffs, goes to Minnesota, and now he's a sixth man on a team that just gets barely to the playoffs. I'm not saying Patrick Beverly's a great basketball player, but it's a story you want to invest in, right? Like, it's 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 the cliche archetypal story that everyone wants to tell. Patrick Beverly is the thing you're all supposed to love about sports, or at least you tell us you love about sports. And everyone hates Patrick Beverly, and everyone makes fun of him when he's crying on the floor. When I look at that, and I'm like, damn, that's amazing. Think how much that meant to him to get the game-winning steal and 11 rebounds at six foot two on the team that gave up on you in the playoffs last year. They gave up on you. And in the post-game press conference, he they asked him what he was telling to his teammates, and he said, take your ass home 
enjoy your flight. That's so much fun. Patrick Beverly spitting hot acid because he feels like the world is always stacking up against him, and that's who he had to be to make something of himself. Patrick Beverly spitting hot acid at everyone is amazing. It's such a goddamn great story, and I don't mean to say it in like an angry way, because I hope that a lot of you hear this and think that's an absolutely awesome story. I just hate that the world is throwing shade at Patrick Beverly when that was the pinnacle of his basketball career. That moment had to be so amazing for him. Yeah, it's not a championship, or yeah, it's not team success, but if a team is going to win a championship... Patrick Beverly's going to be a bench dude not playing any minutes. And Patrick Beverly got to have that amazing moment. And it's not greatest of the top NBA, but damn if it isn't an amazing story to tell. And if you're Minnesota, rally around him the same way the Clippers rallied around Patrick Beverly for all those years until he couldn't deliver anymore. And they were like, well, I guess we got to go get Eric Bledsoe now. And, like, they benched him in the playoffs, and it was like, well, it was a great run. The way the Clippers loved him between 2017 and 2020, Minnesota can rally around him. Because now, he means something to Minnesota in a way he didn't mean with the Clippers, no matter how much of a locker room leader he was. And he didn't mean to the Rockets, the team that gave him a chance in the NBA. Patrick Beverly gets to mean something to Minnesota that he, probably for the skill level that he is, doesn't deserve to be. And isn't that an absolutely amazing story? Isn't that, isn't that the thing that we try and do with the soapiness and narration of sports? That's how you create storylines. And I think people are missing that by just clowning on Minnesota and laughing at Patrick Beverly throwing his jersey into the crowd like he just won the conference championship. Yeah. What is winning the conference championship for some people? The greatest when you boil it all down and strip nuance away, it's the greatest moment in the history in their careers. That pinnacle of success is the greatest moment in their careers. When John Wall's standing up on the table and pounding his chest because they win a first round playoff series, or you hit a buzzer beater, like that's the pinnacle moment of your career. That was the pinnacle of Patrick Beverly's career. Sat like call him a loser. Hell yeah, Patrick Beverly's a loser. Hell yeah, the Minnesota Timberwolves are losers. We're going to be losers, and we're going to love being losers because it's way more fun than even winning a championship because some people win a championship, and they feel kind of empty. Not just like fans, like Kevin Durant said, after the second championship with the Warriors, just felt empty inside, just didn't have the joy after all the trauma that they went through to get there. And damn if that wasn't just heart-pouring heart out emotion for him and the Ant-Man who's rallying around him and the Ant-Man who says funny things, but Ant-Man has the, the skill level to back it up with 29 points saying they were scared to guard him. Like, oh, it's so much fun. It's so cocky. And it's breaking the unwritten rules. And that's so freaking awesome it's so awesome and they're bucking back against the haters and don't don't we love that shit aren't we supposed to love that shit this is the thing that we were told we're always supposed to enjoy right like they sell us rudy and they sell us the underdog stories and they sell us people bucking up against the haters this is the thing that they're supposed to sell us on with sports right 
Patrick Beverly is the is the story that like people make movies about, right? And yet we just don't care in that same way. It's really really freaking cool. It's really awesome. And I just think that we missed an opportunity by just clowning on Minnesota yesterday. That was their championship. They're going to get clapped in the next round. They may never get that close again. Maybe they will, at which point they'll adjust their expectations. And trust me, it's never as fun as the first one. It's never as fun as Game 6 atmosphere coming back from down 10 points to win and advance to your first full real playoff series. I know they, they made one in 2018 as an 8 seed. Make your first real playoff series. Oh, it's so good. Minnesota's going to make documentaries and stories about it. It might sound sad to some. I'm stunned that we feel that way because it's so cool. Like, if this is the story we love, right? He gets to win the game against his former team. All the adversity, all the triumph, all the steps along the way. Isn't that the type of story that we love telling? It's awesome. And I think that we miss that opportunity to tell it. And so I wanted to tell it here on the podcast before we have another long, enjoyable conversation with our friend Cam from Daily Sports Dosage. New sponsor alert. It's the good people over at CreditKarma.com sponsoring the Take It Easy podcast. Credit Karma can help you look for a low-interest personal loan that could help you save money while you pay off a purchase or pay down old credit card debt. Credit Karma compares loan offers for free, and it will not affect your credit score to use CreditKarma.com. If you're ready to apply, you can use the link in the description to this episode or head to creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to see your personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to find the loan for you. Creditkarma.com slash loanoffers. Credit Karma, apply with more confidence today. There, I can just rolling record. I forgot to hit it at the start, but yeah, uh, okay. sort of playoffs, but also by the time people are going to listen to this, they'll know the results of the first games. So that should yeah. be, should be funny to think about. I don't think the Clippers are actually good. So I'm going to assume the Timberwolves are going to win that. And I'm going to assume Brooklyn is going to beat the Cavs. Let's operate under those assumptions for the time. being. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the, the result. Only- the only so I, I definitely so I definitely think the uh, the Cavs um, I mean the, the I think the Clippers is just overachieved obviously like mm-hmm. it's pretty obvious they have but um, yeah that 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 should be a pretty easy one for the Timberwolves but I kind of see, see a scenario where I'm not saying that that the um, the Nets are going to purposely lose it that's not what I'm saying I think they're going to win. But if they if it's close towards the end, I could see them kind of packing it up because, like, I think. I, let me ask you this then. Let me ask you, which one would, would you rather play, the Celtics or the or the Heat? So this is a different thing because I could hear arguments on both. If I'm if I'm given yeah. the choice, I'm probably going to go Celtics. But if people want to argue Heat, I can definitely hear them out on that one. Like, it's not they're not that dissimilar of teams. Yeah, I the just par- think. I, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. 
I was just going to say that there's a difference there because they cannot risk it. Like you cannot risk yeah, no, the I randomness agree. of a one game winner go home. Like they're no, going to yeah. go all out to win on Tuesday and they're probably going to win just because they're so much better than Cleveland, which yeah. is not a disrespect to Cleveland. People no, think I hate no. Cleveland. Cleveland overachieved no. this year. <laughs> yeah, no, they have a nice little team and that's not even disrespectful to say it. Like they actually have like, a, they're actually building a little something there. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I mean, you can, they have a little, they have a bunch of young talent. I mean, like, that's a team that's interesting. Um, but yeah, no, no, I'm not saying that they're gonna purposely lose. Um, more along the lines of like, I just think that the randomness of that one game scenario is so interesting to me because mm-hmm. like they probably they probably won't chance it. They're the Nets. I mean, like, let's be honest, like they're at fully caliber team, they should beat the Celtics and the Heat. But we know that that team is a disaster this year. So I just don't. Interesting. Yeah, it it is so interesting. I I think the Celtics and the Heat would be the, um, the Nets. To be honest, Uh, it's so I would phrase it right now. If we assume that Brooklyn and Boston are going to play in a first round matchup, then I'd say it's Nets and seven would be my guess. But again, if I'm saying Nets and seven, that means it comes down to a random one game sample size and. You know, just like we were talking about in the play and like one game, yeah. anything can happen. It's super Definitely. random once you get to one game. So it's an interesting thing too. Flipped. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it from this perspective too, I think that, I mean, this is just me being the kind of a Homer Celtics fan, just being honest, but like, I think the Celtics shouldn't lose to any team besides the Bucks. I think they're better than every team right now in the Eastern conference, like maybe not talent wise, but just like at currently constituted, the Nets have more talent. The Sixers have more talent and the box, but I, in, in the, in this, in the heat have like a, the team thing, you know what, you know what I mean? Why I'm saying that, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, I just think, I just think it's like the box to lose. That's what, basically what I'm trying to say. That's it, how I see it should, too. Should, yeah. yeah. The bo- it, sh- it should really be the box versus whoever. And I think the Celtics is the second best team, but if it's the if it's the Sixers or the Nets or whatever, the Bucks should go to the go to the um go to the uh the finals. I don't think it's really a question. I think it's going to be the Sixers. I mean, the Bucks versus the uh, uh, Suns again. I just I I just don't see it happening. Otherwise, honestly, I could see some weird shit happening in the West where because because yeah. this is the same thing that happened in the bubble in 2020 where it was yeah. the Bucks and it was everyone else. And then Giannis got hurt and it was like, ah, shit, who's going to make it out of the East? Cause it was all like yeah. kind of mediocre teams. So let's just say, let's just say no injuries happen because with injuries, everything changes a hundred percent. Like last but, year when all 10 of the best teams had some sort of major yeah. injury happen to their yeah, team. Last year, last year was ridiculous. That was insane. But it was coming was off insane. of the bubble and all of that stuff. So yeah. Everyone yeah. got hurt. Um, so I think that, it should be the Bucks versus the Suns in the finals. Mm-hmm. And then I think it should be the Bucks versus the Celtics in the Eastern finals. And I think it should be the Suns versus the, I'm not even joking. I don't know who's going to play the Suns like that. There, there are so <laughs> many good teams over there. I just don't. Okay. Know. So let's do it. Let's do it matchup wise, because you said okay. Bucks and Celtics in the conference finals, but I, so I totally understand that part of like the matchups don't matter. It's just the Bucks and the Celtics have to play in the second round, which again, yeah, the Celtics yeah, yeah, exactly. 
that can be the conference finals in the second round, like how the Bucks and the Nets was the second so it's round. It's really last interesting year. you said that because no one gets it when I'm saying that. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that I'm not saying that they literally are going to play in the conference finals, but whoever wins that series wins. The, it's that wins the Celtics quick. should expect to be good enough to make the conference finals, which yeah. even if I disagree with that, I still totally get your point there. Cause I do think teams two through five in the East are closer than yeah, we like to think. Close. I think, I think Philadelphia is a bit ahead, although they I was listening talent wise, but, but you just don't yeah. know, dude. You just don't know with those guys. You don't know what yeah. James Harden. Like, I'd be mean, like, talent, yeah. But, like, the Celtics right now, outside of any – there's no team in the NBA playing better than the Celtics right now besides the Suns. Right? There's also an interesting point with them that no team has gotten more of their offense from free throws in the last, like, 20 Ooh, years the than the – uh, th- no, then the 76ers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh no, it's actually ridiculous. So, like, just let's mm-hmm. say the whistles go away in the playoffs. I mean, which they do. They do go it's, away a lot. I mean, it's interesting, right? Because we assume Philadelphia is good enough to do it. And last year, they they had, what, a, I say it all the time, one in 778 collapse because they were up yeah. 24 in the second half in game five against the Hawks and up 25 in the game seven when they blew I that know. crazy lead. Yeah, I know it's only I know it's only one year removed, but I think the Eastern Conference has gotten insanely more top heavy. I mean, um, uh, uh, sorry, not not top heavy. Basically, a bunch of good teams, not great teams. Yeah, so, teams in the middle, like how the the yeah. West the West last year even was like the Warriors yeah. missed the playoffs because they lost exactly. in the play in game. It's like yeah. that's now the East. The East has like six of those teams and the Bulls. Yeah, like and they're all fighting it out. You know, I I think the Celtics. What because like, you uh, you me and you know whoever could argue this, but like the Celtics, Heat, Sixers, and, and I guess and the Nets, and the Nets yeah, uh, are all in the same category. If the Nets play their potential, they should beat them all easily. But we just know that they're not they're not like all unit right now, um, just because of like whatever. But they are very talented. So the I'm thing I said about it was, I'm glad that. Miami, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Brook again, Brooklyn could lose still, but I'm glad that those four teams didn't match up in the first round. Like it sucks that yeah. Boston is the team that had to get Brooklyn, but it's better than like the Bucks and Nets in the first round. Cause yeah. then some undeserving team is going to sneak into the conference championship or yeah. something like that. Yeah. The bot, um, cause it locally, everyone obviously wanted the Bucks to play the Nets because that will be good for us. But, um, yeah, I mean, overall, Overall, I still think the Celtics are right now a better team. Like, I'm not saying talent. I'm really not. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that, like, it should be like even a, even a five or – it's going to be, like, maybe six or seven games. I think the series is going to be a dogfight. I really do. I think it's going to be a slugfest. Yeah, you have faith um, in them. You have faith in yeah. your team. That And, like, even if they lose in the first round, like, that's it, it's not a true first-round loss. Like, maybe people no. will forget about it years well, later and say, oh, they, they lost in the to, first round. But Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing that sucks about that argument. It, it, it's funny you said that because I was just talking to my buddy about that the other day. But, yeah, if you think about it this way, like, if they go to seven games with the Nets, I mean, like, I think it's, an, I think it's a failure of a season. Not failure, like, you guys suck and blow it everything up. But just like, ah, that sucks. Yeah, it could have been better. Yeah, exactly. But if you lose four or five, like, what the hell, dude? You're not like that type of thing. You know how you said that those four teams are basically kind of similar between Miami, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Boston? I have a tier for that that I do every year because I like to organize teams by tiers so we don't have to like aggressively debate whether yeah, the Clippers it's the are the same exact thing as your, your one through 10. I love, I love that. Well, not one through 10, like you're like elite in 
Yes, tier super generational superstars, superstars, all stars, fringe all stars. It's easier to have the conversation. Yes, because most people generally agree how good these players are. And same thing with teams. What I call that second tier every year, and that's the tier that has Miami and Brooklyn and Boston and uh, Philadelphia, is second round exits, which means those teams expect to lose in the second round this year. Yeah. And one of them is going to make the conference finals just because there's only one championship contender in the East and it's Milwaukee. Like Milwaukee is the only team there. And like you said, someone has to make the conference finals along with Milwaukee. Now, if it's Boston, I would be surprised. Well, Boston would have to play Milwaukee in the second round, but that's just kind of like semantics in the argument. Yeah. I'd be surprised because of the four teams, if you pin me down and made me pick, I'd say Boston is fourth out of the four. But yeah. at well, the same well, time, also, like also knowing also knowing who they're playing, that probably that adds a little bit of uh, say 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 they a different road, maybe feel differently, right? That's yeah, like I if they if they it. played the cat, like if the Cavs beat Brooklyn tonight, it's yeah, shockingly, and better, then they play the Cavs. Yeah, like it feels better if you're Boston because the other problem Boston has is if they're going to make the finals, they got to go through three of them. Like they got to go through Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and either Miami or Philadelphia. And yeah, that's, that's just, just, that's just, that's just unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I'll tell you, if the Celtics beat the Nets, they're going to feel good. Like they're going to feel really good. I'm not saying I mean, that they're better than the Bucs. They're not, but. This was a retool season and they won 50 yeah. games. Like that's a huge victory for them. It, it might take years to get, up a bit and probably they need a better third player than Robert Williams. But this, this was supposed to like halfway through the season, they were like the eighth best team in the East. They were supposed to be in the play-in and now they're going to maybe go toe to toe with Brooklyn. Like that's still a huge success from where they were like not even two months ago. Well, so it's interesting. You look at it from that perspective too, because if you look at it, like what the, what the Hawks did last year was a borderline borderline um, anomaly, right? What they are yeah. now is probably what they – they're probably a little bit better. They had a really tough start. But say that they're like a six or seven seed in the, in the East, something like that. The mm-hmm. Celtics were awful in the beginning of the year, and they were really good now. They're somewhere in the middle. They're like a three or four seed, I think, with currently constituted, right? So I think that this is like kind of what we should expect because also – they should trade Robert Williams. I'm not saying trade him for nothing. I'm not saying like get rid of him, but now they have actual ammo to actually get a third star. Cause Robert Williams is no slouch. He's probably like, I don't know, top 10 center in the league. I mean, probably even a little higher because center is a little overvalued. I mean, undervalued, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's the same it, thing. It, I it, say he's young. You mentioned the Hawks. I say the same thing about John Collins, which is, John Collins is a player you use to trade for a player better than John Collins. Robert Williams is a player you use to trade for a player better than Robert Williams. The only problem with John Collins is that now this is going to be a problem with Robert Williams. If you hold on him too long, he's going to want that extension. I mean, I know he got that, like he got like the South has got him on good money for like three years. It's pretty uh, team favorable dollar. But John Collins now wants that. Like, I mean, I don't even know if he has he gotten that max contract yet. Yeah, sure I, it was it was slightly less than a max, I think. Okay. But he did get a contract. Okay, I think it was like twenty five million a year or something like that. Oh, uh, so that's actually not that bad. I mean, it's a it's a little high, but it's actually not too bad. Yeah, five year, hundred twenty five million dollar deal. Oh, okay. So yeah, twenty five a year. It'll be. I think it starts next year for the Hawks. 
or yeah. this year. No, it started this yeah. year. So yeah, okay. pretty much about the same every year too. It's not like it goes up at the end a whole lot like that Westbrook contract. It's pretty much like 23, <laughs> 23 and a half, 25, 26. Doesn't go up very much. Yeah. I mean, I, I could, you know, if you told me the Grizzlies are going to go to the Western Finals, I believe you. If you told me that the the only the only thing I really just don't believe in is the Jazz. I, mean, I feel like I'm pretty obvious why. <laughs> but, but you can, but never believe in the Jazz ever. Like this is, this is how it all falls. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Utah all like breaks it up this summer. Like they trade Gobert yeah, and fire sure. Quinn Snyder and like finally do the building around Donovan Mitchell thing. Um, I just would be interested in that because Luca, this is how like teams naturally progress, right? Was Luca in the bubble, had the amazing buzzer beater against the Clippers and it was magical and it was Luca, all that stuff. And then they, they yeah, lost in six games. Yeah, they like they, they got bounced in six games. And then last year they went seven with the Clippers. And now this and they year they're gonna win a series. Yeah, if Luca doesn't hurt his neck and his back, they they might win that series. And then this year there's they should beat the Jazz in the first round and then get to the second yeah. round and then get smacked by the Suns. That's that's that, normally that's how the young star progresses. That, that's awful for uh for the uh for this um the jazz. That's just awful. Like the Mads are just a horrible like, <laughs> but we know just, we just, know how to take Rudy Gobert out now. Just literally, just screen on Rudy Gobert every single time, and even Terrence Mann can get you forty points in a playoff game. Like, they people know how to match Rudy Gobert off the floor in the playoffs, and that kind of just sucks for um, that kind of just sucks for Utah. But also, like Utah, Utah is a fine team, right? Like, so by having Donovan Mitchell, they're in the same place that. Um, I mean, having Rudy Gobert is pretty good, but they're kind of in the same place that the Celtics were last year, which is you you got to pivot to building around Donovan Mitchell at some point, or maybe Donovan yeah, Mitchell oh, decides yeah. I don't want to be there. But I they, mean, I mean, they're they're they're, te- they're playing with fire there. Mm-hmm. They are because you got to make a choice. Like it's obvious it's not working. I don't think that they have like that like quote unquote like I hate each other thing that everyone says they do. Like maybe not as bad. But, I mean, like it's obviously not working. Rudy Gobert is not a bum. You can get good. You can get something back for him, like for sure. Mm-hmm. So it's just like I, I don't know. Like it just, and maybe, maybe it's just just because they're the Jazz and they're like, oh, you know, where like we're, like this is like what they do. They're just like a middler, <laughs> but like you know what I mean. It's already hard enough to get people to want to play in Utah, and so and now they the have Jazz two, are like, two, like stars. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're two really good players, right? Like they're yeah. both tier three guys, which is yeah. again with the best of circumstances can get you to the second round and worst of circumstances, you get bounced in the first round and yeah, the jazz are banking on Donovan Mitchell's development that I'm not exactly sure is coming. Cause as you know, like we talk about Tatum growing and things like that, Donovan Mitchell yeah. probably is what he is right now. And that is like, can be a top 10 player in the NBA but Damian Lillard was also a maybe top yeah. 10 player in the NBA. Yeah. And like, it's not good enough to win a championship, but it's sometimes good enough to be entertaining and lose to the teams that have multiple stars. Yeah. That, they, I, yeah, yeah. That, that would be, that would be Dame, That would be Devin Donovan Mitchell's ceiling. Probably. Honestly, I, I still Damian argue Lillard. last year, they should have given up all their picks and to Bogdanovich or whatever and gotten Bradley Beal. Like they should have just given the Wizards an offer they couldn't refuse for Bradley Beal when they had the chance. But 
Yeah. Now they're just kind of stuck where they are right now. And they might fire Quinn Snyder after the season too, just because they've made six straight playoff appearances and they just need a new voice, which. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause that, that sucks. You get the short. I mean, apparently like the, well, apparently the, the, the Lakers like them, I guess I saw something. Oh about my that, God. I, that was so funny. There was a report today that, um, I think it was from the LA Times or LA yeah, something. I think I know but what you're gonna say it's that awful. Quinn Snyder is turned off by the Lakers job after seeing yeah. how they handled the Frank Vogel situation. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, like how is it possible that that Adrian Wojnarowski? Well, I mean, I I know how it's possible because these guys know more than anyone, but it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> Why would he even want to go? Like, there's no guarantee no. LeBron is going to be there this offseason. Like, say no. they go to the front office and say, trade Russell Westbrook. And if the front office says no, what happens next? Like, yeah. And, and, and like, the problem is with the, with the, with the Lakers, they're like kind of screwed because the problem is, is like they have a lot of old players, obviously, on like long contracts. They have some, they have short money, but not a ton. And, they have Anthony Davis, who literally cannot stay on the court. That's the main problem. If he can stay healthy, they're good. They'll yeah. be fine. I mean, I'm not saying like the championship contender, but they're fine. They're a playoff team. Yes, they are the Pelicans. If you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James, you can be slightly better than the Pelicans. Like, <laughs> that, and that's fine. Like, the the whole point of getting an Anthony Davis is you won a championship when you had LeBron, and when you don't have LeBron, you're good enough to get bounced in the second round. But I still, I, we're not ready to have the argument of like Anthony Davis could be like if he stayed healthy, could be an MVP every single year. But but but, but we're also not ready to have the conversation that he's like a historical bust because no, of his freaking yeah. injury. Anthony you know Davis I mean? could yeah, Anthony Davis could retire tomorrow and would make the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And it's a really complicated situation there well, because Yeah, yeah, it, it becomes like one of those Grant Williams um Grant um Grant Williams Grant uh um, Grant Hill. Yeah, Grant Hill things like maybe a little T-Mac or like Penny Hardaway where you're like, "Oh, you're so good, but you just like Yeah. You know what it's I mean? like like Anthony Davis had all the skill sets to be Tim Duncan. Like that's yeah. the part that's interesting about it. He's Anthony probably Davis even more talented than Tim Duncan, honestly, just like talent wise. But, but but Tim Duncan was just a freaking repetition machine. Yeah, and Anthony Davis's body gave out on him. And like, I don't want to like say his career is a disappointment because like it's having not, a Hall of Fame NBA career is like ridiculous. It's not, but like, but like when you have that type, I mean, like that I'm, disappointment's strong. But like, I mean, I. <laughs> It's all expectations, like, too. Yeah, like, I, I had high expectations for this man. And, like, of course you should. Like, he was supposed and probably still can take the reins from LeBron. Everyone was like, the way the Lakers are going to stay young is by Anthony Davis being the number one and LeBron being the number two, which, by the way, we now know should have been happening over the last two years. That's what they yeah. should have done. Now, they wouldn't have been championship good if they had done that, but that's just because of Anthony Davis's body giving out. But at the same time, yeah, that's what they should have been doing over the past few years was doing that transition because the alternative didn't work out as well either. The, it's yeah. not like the alternative turned out great. Yes, making Anthony Davis the true number one would have meant you're not going to win a championship. You also weren't going to well, win a championship the way they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, but you're not like you're not like not missing the playoffs. Yeah, like, you know what I mean, like you're 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 at least a playoff team, and like, like, dude, that's just so embarrassing. 
it's just so embarrassing. It's not like they're like, like, dude, I'm not trying to tell you that, like, I hate doing the Jordan-LeBron debate. I mean, you were the same on that. We have a very strong, strong opinions on what we believe. I'll tell you this right now. It doesn't look great that your team's going to fucking make the play. Oh, sorry. I don't know if you can swear on this. No, you can, you can well, curse. It's fine. Sorry. Uh, no, you can uh, curse. It's all good. Okay. LeBron not making the playoffs is just like, dude, I've been trying to defend you to be the GOAT forever, and now you don't make the playoffs. I know that – but, like – Here's the problem with the whole LeBron James situation. You can't say he's the best player in the world at the beginning of the season and then at the end of the year being like, oh, he has no help, but he scored 30 points a game. They're somewhere in the middle. He's, dude, I think LeBron's like a top 10 player in the NBA. He's not what he used to be, but you can't have both. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can't be like, you can't be like, oh, he's better than Giannis and he doesn't make the playoffs and he goes, oh, you blame everybody else. No, sorry. It's not the way it works. Well, yeah, because they caped up for Russell Westbrook and their their response is, how do we deflect blame onto the Lakers? Because it saves the image there. But like some basketball fans are naive. Like we talked last time about toxic culture in in sports and basketball, like NBA Twitter and stuff. But like most people are discernible enough to be like, okay, wait, they had a trade for Buddy Heald. Then you intervened and got Russell Westbrook traded. Like we, we kind of see the back there. Do you see the whole thing with magic talking about that? Yeah. Which is one. Come on, magic. Come on, dude. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) But he just hates Rob Palinka. But magic Johnson's thing is that he just hates Rob Palinka. (laughs) But it makes me funny about magic Johnson. It's like, dude, you quit on the team, bro. Like you shouldn't like, like, yeah, that, yes, I totally agree with that. The guy's he's kind of a little bit of a, of a uh, I don't know how to describe it. Tool. It's, it's ironic. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's magic yeah. Johnson being old whippersnapper guy, correcting the young people when literally magic Johnson got a coach fired <laughs> when he was playing for the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and he drafts, uh, uh, Lonzo ball, which, which I know you and I've had this conversation in the past that, he basically had to do that or they would have been like freaking like they would have burned you know, down, the down the Staples Center. City. Yes, they yeah. they would have but rioted like, if they let Lonzo go. But they would have been if they'd gotten Jason Tatum, they would have forgave him years later. Yeah. Oh yeah, cuz Jason Tatum's way better. Yeah. Even De'Aaron Fox, they could have gotten De'Aaron yeah. Fox with that pick too. Yeah. No, and then Phoenix took Josh Jackson for some reason. I'll never understand that. They oh the only God. way Sacramento gets good things is when the the, the Suns mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, dude. So I, so overall, like, I'm really, I'm like, I'm just like pumped for like the season to be over. Honestly, I'm ready for it to be, I'm ready for the playoffs. So excited. So freaking excited for the playoffs. Like I didn't watch much regular season basketball this year. And at the same time, I just didn't have the time for it. And I also know now that the NBA regular season is just completely irrelevant. Like just yeah. as long like as you I, get in, as long as you get yeah. in, it's fine. And the Lakers didn't even do that. But still, yeah. it, as long as you get in, it's fine. But again, with the now play in tournament, like the Spurs started tanking at the deadline and still lucked their way into the playoffs or at least the play in oh game. Which, oh, yeah. I so uh, have you we've talked about the Spurs before right in that way this might be just quick but I've I've said before that I think that the San Antonio Spurs kind of ruined themselves and like this should be more of a stain on Greg Popovich's career than we like to say because we like to you know kind of memorialize Greg Popovich Uh, but Mm -hmm. the the way they ran off Kawhi Leonard and ended that dynasty as we knew it and now they've been really poorly run since then is really fascinating. No, I and I don't think we talk and, and, about it enough. 
I, I'm actually happy you brought that up because I think Greg Popovich, like, so here's the thing. Here's the thing with coaching. Every coach is overrated because they're like, oh, he had this guy, he had that guy. You know, like you'd be like, oh, Phil Jackson's overrated and Michael Jordan. Yeah, you need players to be able to con- compete. I'm not telling you you don't. Yeah. But, like, I still do think Greg Popovich is kind of overrated because, like, this hurts his legacy badly. And no one wants to talk about it. Everyone thinks it's, like, all fine and good. Like, no, like. You 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 basically cut short your championship like window by like five years. If you just didn't and, run and away, and do you like, know why they did it? Because they defended the honor of the old dynasty. It was Bruce Bowen calling out Kawhi yeah. Leonard for not coming back. It was Popovich always being like, oh, I don't know, ask Kawhi, ask Kawhi. It was Tony yeah. Parker saying, I dealt with an injury a thousand times worse. It was the idea that. Nothing is better guys. than the organization. Yeah, they defended yeah, yeah. what they had in the past, and they're like, "Who's this young whippersnapper coming in thinking he's bigger than the organization?" And he's, Kawhi he's was. Than, <laughs> yeah, he's better than Tony Parker. He's better than Manager Ginobili. He's better than Bruce Bow. Like, I I don't know what we're doing here. Like, he's he's unbelievable. Yeah, and and that specifically drove him away during that season. Which, by the way, remember everyone argued that. Kawhi was healthy because he was cleared by Spurs doctors, but he didn't feel healthy enough to return. Remember that when he got traded to Toronto, Danny Green also got traded to Toronto. And in his first physical with the Raptors, the Spurs doctors misdiagnosed an injury from Danny Green that the Raptors found. And then he had to miss a few months because it got misdiagnosed by the Spurs doctors. And I I, I don't remember that. Yep. And then. I mean, I was pointing to this year, the DeRozan stuff, like how does it go from DeRozan's a 21 a game like score where we think his career is coming to an end yeah, to what he did with the MVP. Bulls? Like, yeah, it's but, like it's it... yeah. The, the problem is now it was kind of a facade. It was like DeRozan scoring a lot of points and it was just because no, they didn't have a but, lot there. But even still, but maybe maybe he's on the Spurs. He's just a Spurs and they just like don't get as much coverage. But like, I mean, he was like, like, I thought he was cashed. Yeah. And in the bubble, the, and I was it, arguing they should make him the sixth man and like go to the yeah. young guys lineup. <laughs> it's and, actually crazy. It's crazy that, that that mismanagement and like they have like no talent on that team. They have a couple of good players besides um, Murray. Murray's like, no, he's, he's good. He's not great, but he's good. Like I like him, but I just, ooh. I don't know. We can have that conversation after, but the joke I was setting up there because the Spurs play uh, the Spurs play the Pelicans, I think, in the play-in game, the first one, and uh, yeah, I'd like to rename the nine ten game the Greg Popovich Memorial <laughs> play-in game <laughs> because Greg Popovich just always ends up being the ten seed in this play-in game. At least I think yeah. every year since it existed, he's been the ten seed in the play-in game. <laughs> So yeah, how many years is that? Like two, three years now, I think it's, it's two plus the bubble one, the bubble. Yeah. They, they only did an eight, nine and it was like Memphis and Portland or something, but yeah, they basically um, did it. So Zion could get in. I'm pretty sure. Yes. And he didn't get in. Yeah. And then Zion didn't play. Yeah. It was so weird. It was like, we're going to set up one game Zion versus enter X team. And then it ended up being John Morant, but that was and the yeah, magical exactly. Damian Lillard bubble. The, the part with the Spurs oh, yeah. that's interesting is, uh, we can evaluate whether teams are poorly run or not poorly run based on how they do with the talent level they have. Right. So for example, the Spurs 
have had no talent for like three or four years now. And yet they've overachieved like with the talent they've yeah. had, you could argue the Spurs have overachieved because the Definitely. Spurs probably should be at the bottom of the lottery. Yeah. Well-run organization. But that's because, because that's great. Because because that's a Greg Popovich thing, right? Like he's mm-hmm. actually a good coach. I don't think yeah. he's bad. I'm not saying he's bad. I just think he might be a little overrated. But he's still a great coach, like one of the yeah. Best. I'll argue it's a well-run organization. So yeah. like the big argument on the flip side of this is Mark Cuban, which is Mark Cuban with Dirk Nowitzki by getting generational talent guy was able to build winning basketball team. When you take away yeah. generational talent guy. The, Ma- the Mavericks still have not won a playoff series since they won the NBA Finals in 2011. And you can throw oh, in wow. largest toxic workplace misconduct fine in the history of the NBA in there too, but have not won a playoff series since winning the, wow, the NBA crazy. Finals. Plus, they get the new generational star, which you could argue like, yeah, that it takes skill to identify generational stars in the draft. Yeah, but Dallas kind of like, Okay, they got Dallas, Luka Doncic. Yeah. Everyone knew Luka yeah. Doncic was going to be at least pretty good. Like even if they didn't yeah. think it was going to be this. So, that's like the argument of like Dallas is not a well-run organization. They've just happened to have had generational stars over the last Yeah, but maybe but maybe they have like really good uh, talent talent um uh like almost evaluators like, like, like Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they have really good because that doesn't mean you're because if you're a good talent evaluator, it doesn't mean you're a good run organization. Like, 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 I, like I'll, I'll point to like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not saying they're a bad organization, but because because they all they you know they go to the playoffs every year basically. But yeah. look at like how they they have the best talent evaluators ever when it comes to like receivers, and it just mm-hmm. they always are getting these these just gems. And I you know I, maybe it's a bad example because I do think they actually have a good organization there, but. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like you could still be, you could still draft really good players and have good talent, you know, finders, but not be able to know what to do with them. You That's an I mean? interesting point too, because the way I've always done that evaluation is like, if you're taking dudes in the second round or undrafted and turning them into viable players, that's where I give like bonus points for talent evaluation is like yeah. identifying pieces that you can build Definitely. that no one else is seeing. So like the Miami heat get to be like the, the silver standard of this in the NBA where they're like pulling Kendrick nuns out and Duncan yeah. Robinson's from being yeah. undrafted. And like, yeah. you could argue situations like that, but you, you know, Udonis Haslam was what, like a second round pick in yeah. 2003. And he's still there. But you still like, need to hit on your picks though. So like, even if yeah. it's like, even if it's like, you know, you're, you know, you're finding diamonds in the rough, you know, like, like the Dodgers, for example, had do a pretty good job with this. They, they spent a ton of money, but they also have a good organization where like a uh, farm league so yes. they can do whatever they want. You know what I mean? They still draft well, even if they have money. So like, that's why they're able to get all these good players. Cause they can, you know, they, there was a time where they weren't going to trade any of their prospects because they ended up being, um, I'm pretty sure it was Cody Bellinger, but yeah. long, long story short, they have guys like Cody Bellinger, like in their farm system that have the ability to, you know, kind of sprout up here and there. And because they're drafting well. So if you're drafting well, you have all of these options where you can actually flip these guys for actual talent. It's kind of like the argument of, are the angels good at developing talent? Because the angels have had like no good players other than the greatest baseball player to ever play the game. So it's like arguing if you hit on Mike Trout, they've had like nobody else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like they, 
I mean, they got they got Otani too, but like I mean, like he like everyone knew he was going to be good. He just wanted like, like I mean, maybe definitely not this good. Same thing with like Luca. They knew he was going to be good, but they didn't think he was going to be like. You know, they didn't whatever. think he was going to be the his generation's defining superstar. Yeah. No disrespect to John ja Morant, but they didn't think he was going to be yeah. his generation's defining superstar. Yeah. And like, if he chooses to stay, by the way, they remember last year, they fired their president of 17 years and coach yeah, of 15 Austin, years. Right? Yeah. yeah. And just because Luca didn't like them. And it was like, holy shit. They got the win and then they just like excommunicated everyone else, which by the way is the thing you have to do because there's nothing more valuable than Luka Doncic. It's just, you have to give up some level of power in that way. And the Spurs weren't willing to bend on that. And they just have not had a good pivot since then because they don't have the talent. Yeah, for sure. And I also think it has to do with the fact that like, you know, like, like, look at the Patriots, for example. Like, you know, everything that's going on with the Patriots and, like, letting Tom Brady go, like, you can only have this, like, drill sergeant type of existence with a player like Tom Brady because he follows suit. If you have that mm-hmm. person, all the other players will follow. So, yeah, you're able to get guys for cheap and, you know, not a lot of money because you got Tom Brady. But when you don't have them, you know, you're following this organizational structure that you're just basically – it's almost like a lie. So, when you look yes. at, like – yeah, like, 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 basically, like, oh, we won championships. So it's like, well, you did, but it was with Tom Brady. So, and by the way, know. that's the military side of Bill Belichick, which is yeah. Bill Belichick for 18 years got Tom Brady into this like singular focus of there's nothing better than the man to your left and the man to your right. And there's yeah. no, there's no ego. There's no greater than that. And it was only when Tom Brady looked around and, and kind of like saw through some of the BS. That he's yeah, like, definitely. wait a minute, I'm bigger than the organization. And, yeah. you know, like this, well, he, and, you know, we, we now know, thanks to pro football talk, he retired because he was going to go be the owner of the Dolphins, the part owner yeah. of the Dolphins, get Sean yeah. Payton to come as coach and then have the Bucks trade him to Miami. Like Tom Brady's doing all that stuff now, but for 18 years, you're right. He was the star that wasn't greater than the organization, which yeah. all of these stars are greater than the organization. And in a salary cap sport, you have to give them power where like, yeah. you know, Kevin Durant runs the nets and LeBron James runs Definitely. the Lakers. Like you just well, have you to look give at, power. If you look at the, you know, the, the Tom Bridge situation, it's interesting because like you could like, so I, I do think the Patriots completely botched, obviously letting him go. Like, obviously like it's really not an argument at this point, but it's more of like, it's interesting though, because he dealt with Bill Belichick for 18 years. He's obviously an SOB. We all know Belichick's like not, I'm sure, like the most cheeriest guy. But he, sp- he spent two years at Bruce Arians and hated that guy's gut. So I'm, can, I can only imagine how much he appreciates Belichick now for his, like, you know, organization. Because Bruce Arians is a bobo. He really is. <laughs> so did you hear some of the reports that came out after that, which was basically like, so Bruce Arians was kind of in there. And, and huh? then he'd be like, he, 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 he like wouldn't even be there. And like, it'd be him and, uh, what, what's that? What's like, what's like left coordinators and yeah, left, which they would spend all night doing stuff. And then, uh, Aaron's would come in the next day and be like, Oh no, like with a figurative red pen and be like, nah, we're not doing this. And they're like, what? Yeah. It's like he had the authority and the power he delegated and then overstepped too much after delegating. Yeah. Like, that was kind Definitely. of his way of getting back into football is I'm going to delegate things to assistants that I trust. And then he tried doing it. He's like, damn it. I'm too much of a control freak. Cause all of these old coaches <laughs> are control freaks. And so, yeah. 
he kind of came back and like stopped trusting them a little bit, which by the way, that has to be so fucking infuriating for Tom Brady. Like he's like, we are, we're literally trying to craft this game plan with like 20 plus years of expertise. And you're just taking a hatchet to this stuff, which yeah, that's, it's gotta be just so frustrating for Tom. And by the way, the reason he wanted to go and like go with Sean Payton, it was that same reason. It's just like, it's just got to be so in for your, and by the way, if you can get Sean Payton, you get Sean Payton, like as great as Bruce Arians is and might be a hall of fame coach. Sean Payton is a first ballot hall of fame coach. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a Belichick light. Like he actually has a clue. I, I just don't like, I don't think that so this is the problem with the NFL. It's not even like the issue with like, you know, how it, like Bruce Arians is a, is our is a hall of fame coach. Like I'm not saying he's a bad coach. Like it is what it is, but that's the problem with the NFL. There's only like five good coaches and everyone else is just, yeah, that guy. Yeah. Eh, yeah. I think guy. it's like 75% of teams have changed coaches in the last four years or something like that. I think, yeah. um, I think Tomlin's now like the second longest tenured coach in the NFL, which is weird. Yeah, Cause he was like a child when I remember him first starting yeah. coaching. Yeah, I mean, like, there's like literally like five good coaches in the NFL, and after that, you can you could like nitpick every one of them. It's crazy. It's you crazy. can even nitpick the, coaching... the good ones. People are people yeah. are questioning Pete Carroll now, and Pete Carroll, like, even if he's not a schematics guy, is like one of the great leaders of a generation. Yeah, yeah people are people are questioning Belichick. Like, it's it's wild. It's wild. And then you can look at like Sean um, Sean McVay, for example. Like, I don't, I, he's great, obviously, but like, yeah. you know, they choked against the Bucks, they should have like should have won they should have lost then they somehow cooper cup gets wide open on a freaking pass i mean like you know what i mean like it's just, yeah it's just wild like that to, that to your point like so bad for them number seven or eight is lafleur and i have no idea if lafleur yeah. is a great coach or not <laughs> yeah like i legit i legit can name okay so like uh, we'll do it right now yeah so belichick uh andy, andy reed yeah. Uh, Sean McVay and Mike Tomlin, and then maybe Pete Carroll. John I, Harbaugh. And, and I, Does John Harbaugh get it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you could you could poke holes in him. It's crazy. It's crazy how this works. But yeah, he's he, how long has he been there for? Ten years or something? Like, you, you got to get uh, respect for that. Like 2008, won the Super Bowl with Flacco, and I guess you could argue like was willing to change his offense for Lamar Jackson, which is like a sign of a good coach is just knowing when to evolve and adapt. Oh yeah, for sure. Like they got so lucky to get Lamar Jackson. They just knew what to do to develop him, but he was going to get fired too. He was like, I'm pretty sure that year was like, his like axe year. Then he's just like, all right, well I got to change everything. Yeah. He put Lamar in and they won the division and they kept him around. And then the other thing that's interesting is like all of those guys also had generational quarterbacks. And this is the argument we were talking about with Popovich, right? Is like they all had generational quarterbacks at one time. And, yeah. you know, Sean Payton was in that group too. And he built one Definitely. out of Drew Brees because like Drew Brees was nothing special physically. Drew Brees's gift is he's more accurate than any quarterback to ever play. And he got yeah. put in a perfect offense to build that. Like, I don't want to do the Drew Brees as a system quarterback thing, but I think, you know, there's reasons people bring that up all the time. Of yeah. Drew Brees well, I mean, you can, say, you can say the same thing with Tom Brady. Like, that's why Bill Belichick holds on to that. I mean, I, Tom Brady obviously evolved into a much a different type of quarterback, obviously, but early on, he was a system quarterback. I mean, like mm-hmm. he was, and if, if you ask Belichick and you give him the truth serum, 
he still thinks he made Tom Brady. That's that's he actually thinks that, which is which, like kind of wild. But yes and no, did, like but I don't know. He did, but it's the Tom Brady psychology stuff that we can't understand because we just don't know enough about how the brain works and like how Tom Brady was always like, okay, I'm just going to go do this now and then execute it or why Tom Brady is always like, I don't want to say the cool, calm, collective guy, but he's like the greatest end of game quarterback ever. And it's like the clutch thing we talked about. It's like, it's like the clutch thing is it's only as good as people who can hold up their, you know, their average, say that they, you know, they complete 30% of the time in that mm-hmm. moment, they're able to actually still fulfill that. But there's such a thing as choking, not as much as clutch. It's just an interesting and, com- yes. conversation. And have the will to continue doing it year yeah. after year after well, year that, after year. That's what makes true greatness though. That's what makes mm-hmm. people like, you're like insane. Like you got to actually be like, I know. Like, did you see that thing a couple weeks ago? Or maybe it was maybe a couple months ago now, but when when all the, the top 75 anniversary happened in the NBA and like Jordan's there and like there's a video of, of Jordan looking at Matthew Johnson. He's like 50, 60 years old. And he's like, Look, you get your shoes on, let's go ball right now. I'll play a one on one. And it's like <laughs> Michael guy, Jordan was just weird in that way, though, right? Like yeah, the guy the guy's obsessed. He just I did it just uh, it's just wild to me. It we really saw it is. in the last dance though, right? Like that's where that part yeah. came from with Michael Jordan was just the crazy compulsive shit, right? And I don't know if that's Tom Brady's yeah. thing is crazy compulsive, but Tom Brady's like got the the mindset to do it. Like the one I like bringing up now because my buddy Mahomes is after the after Gabriel Davis scored that touchdown with 13 seconds left, they had a, a heart monitor tracker in the next yeah. gen stats What's it called? The whoop, and the whoop or the whoop, the whoop app. No, I yeah. heard about this. It, and his heart rate did not spike after that happened. His fastest heart rate was when he was sitting on the bench when the bills had the football. And after Gabriel Davis scored the touchdown, heart rate just did not change for Patrick Mahomes. And then lo and behold, they go 13 seconds, kick the field goal and then go win in overtime. Like that's the thing that's mesmerizing. And yet even Patrick Mahomes, like, I don't think he's going to do it for 25 years. Like, I don't think the will is there for anyone to do it 25 years. That's the reason no one's done it except Tom Brady, just the the will to keep going through that yeah. system. Like it's a brutal lack of perspective on life, especially when you're Tom Brady and you have like nothing left to prove at this point, you just tie your entire identity through football. And like, I don't even think Mahomes can do that. And like, these are the greatest of the greats of all time. And that's yeah. the weird thing about, the, the psychology that we don't understand, but yeah, that's, I mean, it, it is wild. Cause like, that, but it's like a brutal lack of identity perspective, but it's also like, I bet you that's literally how he identifies himself as football, which is kind mm-hmm. of crazy. When you get to the level of Tom Brady, all 99.99% of people would start thinking of different, different ways to make money. You know, Peyton Manning did it all, all of them do it besides Tom Brady. By the way, let's not pretend Tom Brady's not doing that either. Like Tom Brady was no, going to no, go no, be no, the no. part owner of the Dolphins, no, sure. and that was why he no, retired. No, no. Like orchestrated no, a fake sure. retirement. Yeah. But he still, but he still wants to play. Like that's what I'm trying to say. Like, but I, I hear you though. No, no, he's like a, yeah. he's a ridiculous businessman. I mean, it's actually he's going to be probably a billionaire. I wouldn't be surprised to be honest. Yeah, I mean, but it's Tom Brady. Like he, I think he sells like jeans right now. But <laughs> anyway, I, I'm still like Tom Brady could sell you pretty much anything except water that cures cancer, like Alex Guerrero. Yeah, said. yeah, but yeah, Alex Guerrero. Yeah, fuck him. He could he could still do most of that stuff, and like I. <laughs> 
I mean, to bring it back over to the the superstars part, because it's obviously more so in basketball and basketball has like max contracts. So like they got to give a ton of power to the star players is like, if you can't pay people in money, you have to pay them in power. And that's the conundrum that the NBA has right now. And the conundrum that the NFL is moving towards, but the NFL, it's going to take a longer time for that. Like, well, all of a sudden there's no more, there's like not even a salary cap in the NFL. I don't even know what the heck is going on. They, 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 they just made it, they're making it work this year. I don't know what's going on. Well, it's, it's the top people are getting way more money than ever before. And what it's going to cut is people in the middle. Like there's going to be yeah. the superstars and then, you know, everyone else kind of sliding in below that. And it, well, they're also just making it. I think that, I think there's a lot of like, there's a lot of cap maneuvering in the NFL that you can't do in other sports where you could be like void years and, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Deshaun Watson money is really what's going to um, pop the bubble. Um, I mean, him getting the, a fully guaranteed contract. The entire, by the way, I think Kirk Cousins got one of those too. So I think he's like the second fully guaranteed contract ever. It's oh, really dumb. True. Kirk oh, Cousins, I, I think when he first signed with the Vikings as a free agent, got like 84 fully guaranteed. It was really weird. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, the, the even look at the wide receiver market, which is the one I like to talk about because talking about Deshaun yeah. Watson is really gross because of how he got that money. But at the yeah, same yeah. time, it's, like yeah. Devonte Adams signed a whatever giant contract. He's, his cap hit this year is like six million dollars, and that's yeah, like thirty see, I don't million get that. next year. I don't get that. Is that just because of how they maneuver the cap or how does that work? Pretty much like that. You just guarantee money up front and then he's getting paid less per game. Like that's Devonte Adams basically gets paid like $300,000 a game, but he gets all this money fully guaranteed when he signs the deal. So like yeah. here, let me see if I can find his contract details real quick. Cause I know Terry kills did the same thing. I was actually looking. No, I was looking at the same. I was looking at it with my buddy the other day. We actually got into an argument. I'm like, I'm like saying how the cap is basically crap. They can like do whatever they want. Like, dude, like if you look at Tyreek Hill's numbers this year compared to next year, it's like it's insane, dude. He's making like nine million a year this year, and then like or six, whatever, like seven million a year this year. Then the next year he's making like twenty five. It's just yeah. it, it, they're just making it work. So Devonte Adams is basically in a, like a so if Devonte Adams balls out he'll get a ton of money but at the same time he's looking at eight million this year thirty million dollars the year after twenty one million dollars after that and th- so it's fully guaranteed at signing that he gets twenty two million just by signing the contract he gets twenty two million dollars so then after that he gets. 30, 21, 8, and then they can get out of the contract for $67 million. And they only take a $7 million dead cap hit. So they could either keep Devontae Adams and pay him 35 and 35 on the last two years of his deal, or they can just get rid of him and only take yeah. $7 million in dead cap, which is supposed to be a deterrent for teams to do it. But teams are realizing now, like, if we're going to blow it all up, dead cap doesn't really matter. Like we'll take a year, we'll take well, an yeah. L for a year and then clear cap yeah. space. Yeah. They can just take it down a year. I mean like, or, or what do they call it? Like a reset year. Uh, I call it an Eagles year. Cause that's basically what the Eagles did last year. They just happened to make the playoffs in a meaningless seven seed. But yeah, they basically yeah, said, that. well, we'll just eat Carson Wentz's contract and just take an L 
are pretty much what the Falcons did, which is just, we're going to get rid of Matt Ryan and do nothing else. <laughs> we're just going to take the $40 million cap hit and do nothing else with our contracts. Well, and, and uh, the Patriots did that too in the, um, the COVID year. Yeah. But that, that one, that one was part, like they had to, because they had to yeah, cut yeah, Antonio yeah. Brown. Like yeah, yeah, that yeah. was, yeah, yeah. that was Robert Kraft saying we have to cut Antonio Brown and then Tom Brady being, I think like a $20 million cap hit. That actually did yeah. kind of change the game a little bit. The Tom Brady one kind of changed the game of like being willing to take dead caps because then Carson Wentz happened. It was like, oh, this is fine. We all were scared of the 40 million in dead cap, but it's actually not that big of a deal. As yeah, long as they're willing definitely. to dump a season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, 97% of people or teams would take that dead that bad year if that means to be have a really successful one you know what i mean yeah the problem is just sometimes you get stuck in purgatory of sadness like 10 (laughs) nfl teams are right now you have to be well run to navigate yourself out of it yeah yeah then you end up Uh, like the lions and the jaguars and the jets and the broncos and yeah everyone else like that yeah for sure um is there anything else you want to cover? Uh, I, I, got, I got some more time if you if you wanted to cover some more anything see. else. Um, I mean, it wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't dive into Tom Brady at some point. We, yeah. It wouldn't be one of our it, shows. I don't know. I don't know. Why. I mean, like, obviously, I'm a Patriots fan, but I just think Tom Brady is so interesting. Well, and not to mention the fact that the guy literally won't leave us alone. Yeah. He just keeps coming back. He will. He will not like. We're gonna be. You're gonna be like 47 by the time Tom Brady will not stop talking. Yeah, I mean, like you're gonna be like, oh my god, this guy Tom Brady. I don't know, man. Like, so Tom Brady, it's hard to stay relevant for a long period of time, right? Like, as people get older, they just become less relevant because people's tastes change. Like, people start to move on. Like, even as prevalent as Peyton Manning is, people have started to move on from the Mannings a little bit. Like, it it was a good run. They're the first family of football but people don't really care that much about the Mannings anymore. And you can bring them in for a Manning cast or whatever it is, but like the Mannings well, they're themselves, funny, though. they're like entertaining. I think they're entertaining. It's true. But the weirdest thing happened the other day where I realized like, it's been six years since Peyton Manning played football, like for Dan Marino or like any of those people, like, yeah, I kind of remember them being on like CBS broadcasts, but they're yeah. like so far removed now that the NFL is kind of in a place where, those two are unique also. I guess I should preface there. Like the 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 way the NFL in the 2000s went from being like the most popular sport to like just monopoly on all of sports. Like they're just yeah. far and away the best sport. Like the reason yeah. they did that was by marketing Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. So those two have a unique place just in like the NFL propaganda machine because that's how they blew up mm. the sport was by just selling Patriots, Colts, Patriots, Colts, Patriots, well, it Colts. Also, it was also similar to uh, Magic and uh, Bird. I mean, not mm-hmm. not not exactly, but um, people credit Magic and Bird to like their you know rivalry, basically just to, to the, almost saving the sport. Yeah, and um, the, the they, NFL's yeah. thing is the NFL followed the same playbook on that, where they did that, except their thing wasn't to save the sport; it was to it crush was to every it. other sport. Yeah, yeah it was and just it, and it worked. Yeah, it worked a lot because now we're all football addicts who can't get enough of the sport. And now like they they market the new stars, but 
they do fall into the same trap of how do we keep people who fell in love with football back then? We throw Tom Brady and Peyton Manning at them. And so it benefits the NFL to throw those two at them because it reminds people who like really got into football. Yeah, Yeah. Like it keeps people involved who are casual football fans now, but really got into it back then. It's the same reason why golf throws Tiger Woods at you all the time. Yeah, It's not because Tiger Woods is important. Tiger Woods just draws ratings because it's people who really, really, really cared about golf in the 2000s because of Tiger Woods. Well, t- I, the golf, is, golf is a real problem because Tiger is bigger than the sport. I know that Brady is, pro- is bigger than the NFL, but the NFL has several talent guys that like, like aren't. I guess run, you know what I'm saying? I'm not even Our sure run. Brady's bigger than the NFL. Like the NFL yeah, could go yeah, without no. Brady and the ratings do keep going. It's just, yeah, yeah, no, I, no, I agree. No, I agree. He's the closest it, it, one. I, yeah. Him and Manning are the closest ones that could be yeah, because they gave but, them the power. Yeah. But like, but like, you know, the Patrick Mahomes, Josh, um, Josh Allen um, really could be the next Brady Manning just due to like the talent level and, you know, see how that goes. Yeah. And I mean, even Aaron Rodgers didn't get that. Like Aaron Rodgers only came like eight years after Brady and Manning had their duels. And like, even he didn't get the power, like even through winning and making seven conference championships, basically, I think it was only six because they didn't make it this year, but by basically making six conference championship games, he didn't even get the same Brady Manning power that those two got. And that was just a unique thing the NFL needed to do. By the way, Michael Vick also kind of got that power too. Like for advertising to a different demographic, they kind of gave Michael Vick that power too in the 2000s. It was just like he was the extra piece also around it. And then that obviously went south on the NFL. And Yeah. Well, yeah, he was he was insane. Yeah, and it and it worked by the way. Like it was hugely successful for making the NFL popular. It was just Yeah. They don't need to do that anymore. They don't need to yeah. give Patrick Mahomes all of that. They don't need to give Josh Allen any more of that because they are the king sport and yeah, they can just give you entertaining product and people will watch it because they've got you now. They've got all yeah. of us watching football and talking about football in April at the start of the NBA playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and then they're like, "Oh, it's you know, twenty. It's seventeen days from. Uh, it's seventeen days from uh, the NFL draft. Like, who cares? But it's a, it's football. It's the draft. It's just just what football does." We did it. They they got me. They got me last year in the pandemic. Like I was throwing everything into the draft. I was doing like content all the time because I was was, in the pandemic. Yeah, that was different because we like had nothing. I was like, was that last year? Was that two years ago? I can't remember. Uh, I I literally went to my friends two years years ago. I'm pretty sure there was. It was like two years ago was was the lockdown, but there was like no sports of anything. Last year was kind of like, we're still like kind of locked down, but we're not like vaccines are just starting to become available, but we've all been inside for a year. So we're all kind of going insane a little bit. Like last, last year I kind of threw myself into it then. And then like all the quarterbacks stunk to start the year. I was like, wait, why did I waste a month caring about this? Like, it's just not that important. Yeah. Two, uh, yeah, actually now that you're saying that two years ago was the CD lamb draft, right? When he was like, Mm -hmm. when, (laughs) when he, uh, when like his girl, he like his he like his girlfriend took his phone and he's like nah like in like like I don't know if you've seen that meme but yes I have seen it. He's like no, 
Yes, he his girlfriend grabbed his phone and he like immediately swiped it back. Yeah, that. By like, the way, like, nah. if you want to know how crazy time passes, that was also the Joe Burrow draft. That was the Justin Herbert draft. Like time passed by so quickly that those two are now like stars of the sport, and it's only been two years since. Like the pandemic was going on when they were drafted. It, that That's was also what. Wild. Who else was there? I think that was Chase Young, was Justin Jefferson. Like, yeah, these was. guys are not that old, and yet well, I mean, they're I like mean, the, stars yeah, of the sport. Well, yeah, Joe Burrow. Yeah, wow, that is actually crazy. Oh yeah, no, that definitely was because I remember Justin Jefferson getting drafted and everyone being like, "Look, well, I mean, I, I watched LSU football like a little bit, but not like you know, like crazy amount." But they're like, they got this guy, Jamar Chase, who's better than justin jefferson i'm like how how is he better than <laughs> well he is <laughs> I, here's the thing that's amazing and i say this all the time now like we i didn't appreciate that lsu team when it was here that one that like just oh, yeah. dominated college football is the greatest college football team of all time like yeah i thought that was just the offensive revolution of the sport coming to college football and i was like everyone's gonna start throwing 60 touchdown passes in a season it's like no, not only did they have a generationally great quarterback go to the NFL, they, they had, had two generational receivers, they had running backs, they had dude, defense. you could argue the two best wide receivers to enter the NFL in the last five years were playing on the same team. Like, I don't think it's a, is that even an argument? I, I, I mean, you could throw CD Lamb in there. Like, you could throw but like, no, but no, but like Justin Jefferson and I mean, no, CD Lamb's been good. I, yeah, I don't think like, it's, it's really Jamar don't. Chase and Justin Jefferson are the two best yeah. receivers to enter the league in the last like five years, and they were playing on the same college team. Pretty good. And you know what the fuck? I love the college stuff because it makes me laugh just thinking about think about this. These men are going to the NFL and busting professional athletes' asses a year before that. They're playing against me and you. Yep. <laughs> like, like, they are like, they are playing against <laughs> McNeese State and winning sixty-three yeah. to zero. <laughs> like, like, dude, that that's insane. Like, like, oh, okay, yeah, like Barshot, like uh, like Derrick Henry, like in high school is like six set or whatever he is, six five, you know, two twenty, and he's playing against me. I'm have you ever linebacker. seen the, have you ever seen the stats of Derrick Henry's high school? Yeah, yeah. like it's ridiculous. Had, had more rushing yards his senior year of high school. He only played like 12 games, had more rushing yards than Baker Mayfield had passing yards in his Heisman Trophy season. <laughs> it's the most insane it, shit ever from, yeah, yeah. from Derrick Henry. And yeah, you're right. Like these are just, it was the same thing with Najee Harris. I remember this story where yeah, Najee Harris is similar. Yeah. So he came from like San Francisco area. And he was like, number one recruit, number one recruit. And it, he got to college and he was like, terrible. I was like, what? This guy was supposed to be like number one recruit. And then he gets the college training system, like basically minor league baseball version. And then like three years later, he's like, oh, oh yeah. of course he's going to be a first round pick. Look at how ridiculous his body is. Oh, yeah. And he, gets, he gets on the, he gets on the, <clears throat> the program. <laughs> he gets on the weight trading program of an actual college and then uh, yeah he, yeah but Najee Harris was like yeah just look at him look at how ridiculous no, yeah. this yeah, human no being what. is yeah yeah 
like you can identify when he's a 10th grader, he's going to be a first round pick. And by the way, that's the same thing with NBA players. Like you can identify when they're like ninth and 10th grade, when they're going to be number one, first top 10 picks in their draft class. Not everyone's going to be that, but like (laughs) the other part that's funny. Also, this is another pivot is like, we were so naive to think that it was just going to be a league of Steph Curry's like it's seven years ago. And we're like, Steph Curry's going to change the game. And there's going to be Steph Curry's everywhere. We were so dumb to think that that would stand up against six foot 10 and can do windmill dunks and Joel Embiid. I mean, I still do think that he changed the game in different ways, but not like Mm -hmm. the actual like player, like the only player that you could be like, Oh, that's that's Steph Curry is uh, your guy. uh, Trey young. Trey. Trey Young, who they got Yankees fans to chant bleep Trey Young at a Yankees game this weekend, which is fun. Yo, New York York fans have, like, actual – something wrong with those people. They just want something, man. They're just going crazy. Like, you just – you want to believe. Their team is awful, and they just have to, like – oh, dude, like, imagine if the the Nets or the Knicks or – well, not even the Nets. I guess that's like I, yeah. What like the the New York teams were actually good. Like, oh my god. Yeah, New York. I said this yesterday on the show. New York has been in a loveless marriage for about a decade now because Giants just putrid. Uh, the Jets putrid. Uh, the hockey teams have been okay, I guess. The Rangers made the Stanley Cup a decade ago. The Islanders made the conference finals a couple times, but nothing yeah, really. Yeah, but the Islanders might be the worst. Like, this is not, I'm just saying this. might be one of the worst yeah. franchises in hockey. So, yeah, they like, haven't, haven't made the finals in 35 years. Um, at least they're decent, though. Like, at least the Islanders are yeah. presentable as a franchise. Um, yeah. Mets laughing stock for a decade um what else is in there oh the yankees is funny the yankees is hilarious because you got your birthright to being great at baseball taken by the houston astros that's gotta suck like the astros had no business taking your shit (laughs) from you you got your birthright to success not just taken by the red Sox. you got it taken by the goddamn houston astros the astros are your daddies now like that's gotta suck to be a yankees fan because the yankees have never beaten the astros they haven't gotten it once in the rivalry the astros beat them in 2015 beat them in 2017 beat them in 2019 red Sox beat them in 2018 beat them in 2021 they have literally nothing to hold over any of those teams they lost to the goddamn rays in 2020 like they could they can't get one they beat the twins they beat the tigers good for them they they ain't got shit on any of those teams like they beat oakland one year they have never beaten houston boston or tampa bay over the last decade it's just yeah you yankees fans you got your birthright to being great stolen from you and yeah, it's just, I, I, I love when the Yankees fans are like, oh, 27 championships. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, well, just so you know, in the past, uh, I don't know, your lifetime, you've seen nothing, basically. Hey, we, let me dude, let me throw it at you right now. In my in my life, since the day I was born, I have witnessed one Yankees championship in my lifetime. I have witnessed one Yankee championship and the Red Sox. What's four? Four. And by the way, ones that the Red Sox didn't even win, they were also eliminating the Yankees. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like the Yankees, like, oh, 27 championship. I love it, dude. I but they don't it. even it, have it, one. It, like, like it most in my vein. In most rivalries, you usually, like, even 
Dallas in 2011, like in the NBA, like they use, they just got one lucky run. Eventually the Yankees haven't had any of those. And do you yeah. know how hard that is in baseball when baseball yeah. is so especially random, when you, especially when you're like the number you have like the highest, um, you know, cap, you know, you, you can spend the most like, money. It just, it, it's hilarious. The Red Sox one that's painful, but that's been 20 years. Like they're just used to that at this point. Do you, yeah. The Astros had no right to your shit, and they stole everything from you. The Astros have had the greatest run in the last five years of any team since the 90s Yankees, and they beat you every single time. That's got to suck so bad. It it just makes me laugh, too, because my wife's from Connecticut. (laughs) <laughs> and they're all they're all Yankees fans, so like they all like you know they all know him from Boston, so they try to like shirt me. And yeah. one kid was like, actually got like hot, like hot. It was like <laughs> yelling at me, and I'm like, bro, listen, I know I know it hurts, I know the truth hurts, but the Yankees are are awful. They're they're like we own you, and he's like, no, no way, dude. Twenty seven championships. I'm like, listen, bro, you can say whatever you want. But the Red Sox have absolutely clapped that ass for the past 10 years. Cry you about it. To, no, dude. take it down the line here. Tell this kid, look, you want to know how this has gone the last 10 years? 2012, lost to the Tigers in the ALCS. 2013, lost to the Tigers in the ALCS. 2015, lose to the Astros. 2016, missed the playoffs. 2017, lose to the Astros in the ALCS. 2018, lose to the Red Sox in the ALDS. 2019, lose to the Astros, ALCS. 2020, with Garrett Cole pitching, lose a winner, go home to the goddamn Tampa Bay Rays. 2021, one game yeah. winner, go home, get smacked by the Boston Red Sox. Like, it's every single it. year. And, like, it sucks to be a Knicks fan. It sucks to be a Giants fan. It sucks to be a Jets fan. Like, you could argue that's more painful because at least they have yeah, expectations. Yeah. yeah exactly, and yeah. they got their birthright to success just swiped by the goddamn Houston Astros, who, by the way, played in the National League until 2012. They switched leagues and clapped that ass every single year. And it's unbelievable. Like, I know everyone hates the Houston Astros now, and it's doing a real disservice to how awesome this run has been for Houston. But how crazy is that? Yeah, you got your birthright to success taken by Boston. You got it swiped by Houston and Tampa Bay. Like, (laughs) Houston and Tampa stole that shit from you <laughs> oh dude injected in my veins i'm sorry if there's any yankees fans listening because i just i just love this it's some it's... of my favorite taunt content but yeah and then they just go chant f trey young because they like it's just it's weird right it's just a weird coincidence that new york sports have been that bad I'm... <laughs> By the they way, get lucky yeah. that one year to make the playoffs and then they get close. This is by this is what the salary cap does, by the way, in sports too, is it makes the edge for everyone slightly less and it creates more parity. So like the Yankees don't spend the ridiculous amounts they used to and just clap everyone. Yeah. Or yeah. the Giants did that in the 90s too, when they had like Lawrence Taylor in them. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. it so what the salary cap does is it makes everyone equal. And or more equal. And so if everyone's more equal, you have to find some sort of competitive edge in between. And New York sports teams are generally known for being poorly run, but making a shit ton of money. And so New York sports teams 
fail or like they, they go down because of this. It's the same thing that's happening to the Lakers, right? Like the Lakers are not well run, but they're still banking on the old guard of we are Los Angeles and we're rich. And that's how we're going to beat people, which by the way, works for the Dodgers in baseball with no salary cap. The Dodgers can be, we live in Los Angeles and we're rich and buy 105 wins. It just doesn't work in salary cap sports. And I think that's yeah. part of why it, it, New York and LA teams kind of suck. Yeah. But, but the LA teams also, they're also drafting well now, like, like what you talked about. So they're actually able to, you know, do some stuff over there. I mean, yeah, but if we want to extend to other sports, like, Oh, yeah, Clippers, yeah, yeah. No, Clippers I, are I, I fine, I guess. Yeah, baseball-wise, LA team, I mean, the Angels suck, but the Angels at oh, least have awful. two generational stars. Uh, yeah, The Clippers, I don't know what to do with the Clippers. Like, the Clippers tried, but the Clippers have been a beacon of stability. Like, I laugh at that when people, like, make Clippers jokes. I'm like, the Clippers since 2010 have been one of the best-run organizations in the NBA. Like, in my lifetime, the Clippers have been a beacon of stability and success, even if they haven't yeah. made it to a... I guess they made a conference championship last year, even if they haven't made it to an NBA Finals. Like, the Clippers are still seen as a beacon of stability. Yeah, I mean, growing up, like, the, the Clippers were like... Phew, they were a joke. Yeah, I they grew up with joke. hearing all the jokes. Like, I've heard all the jokes before, but... The Clippers in my lifetime been pretty good since I've started I mean, watching pretty, basketball, which was I mean, around 2011. Good. Yeah, pretty good. They've been they've been in the conversation for like the best team in the Western Conference probably your almost your whole time watching basketball. When, Put it this way: when, the Clippers, except for the one Doc year, they there? made the Doc Rivers uh, 2013. I think it was right before the Donald Sterling thing happened. So it's either so 2013 or 2012. Uh, I can't remember exactly, but basically the year that you started watching Docker was got there and they've been, I mean, like, dude, like they choked several times, no question, but I but it's mean, better than being in dead last. Yeah. Like the Lakers were for a decade. Like I grew up a Laker fan. They were piss poor, terrible. They were terrible yeah. when I was a child, just absolutely putrid. And the Clippers, <laughs> Have like the last 11 years. I mean, if they make it this year, like there's no guarantee they'll make it, but they're at least in the play in. Like the last 11 Wait, years, the play in doesn't technically count as the playoffs, it's it's the play in. <laughs> so the, the playoffs are if you get a seven game series, I guess. But you know, the, the Clippers basically have been in the playoffs all but one year, and even that one year they missed the playoffs, they went 42 and 40. So, like, they've been above 500 every single year since 2011. And, hmm. I like, not many teams can say that, I imagine. Them being above yeah. 500 every single year since 2011 is yeah, at least definitely. stability, even if they're kind yeah. of in the middle most of the time. It's still, like, 2015, they were the best team in the NBA. 2019 or 20, the bubble year, they were the best team in the NBA. Like, you can at least say that good things have happened, even if they ended in chokes. Yeah, and they and they did end in chokes, no question about it. I mean, like you can't, they did. They, those were gags. They should, they should have won at least one championship during that time frame. They definitely should have. Or at least, at least played for one, one yeah. final. Yeah, at least, exactly. at least played for one. Like that 2015 year when um, it was the first Warriors season when they won the championship against the Cavs yeah. because and Kevin Love and Kyrie the got hurt. Rockets, right? 
Yeah, like the, the Rockets, it was weird that they were in the conference. Like, I think James Harden did finish second in the MVP that year. Oh, that reminds me. I've got another question for you after this. But yeah. um, like the Rockets, like they're forgettable in the conference championship, kind of like how the Hawks are forgettable in the conference championship in, in last year. Like mm-hmm. the Rockets were fine, but it was an unremarkable series. It probably should have been the Clippers, like the entire season. Yeah the Clippers and the Warriors were the two best teams. And then the Clippers just, you know, gagged at the end and it made for an unremarkable conference championship. But I guess James Harden did finish second in MVP that year. It was just, yeah, the Clippers were a better team. They were lob city, which means I can play the, uh, I think it's YG has a, a, a rap song that's Lob City that I like playing on the podcast. So if I remember to mark it here, I'll put in the, the song so people can listen to it. Okay. It was there like Lob City Clips, Lob Lob City Clips. It's uh, yep. CP33 to Blake Griff, DeAndre Butler, and we got Billups because Chauncey Billups used to play <laughs> on those Clippers teams. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was, he, he was like, he was on his last leg. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, I think that Butler would be Karan Butler also, which again was also yes. on his last leg during those teams. I think JJ Reddick was sure that too. Yeah. And I think that he wasn't even Paul Pierce at that point too, or was it was that a little later? Paul Pierce. When was the Draymond? They don't love you like that. I'm trying to think. Was yeah. that, I think that was the that 73 was and nine season. So I guess it would have been around then. Yeah. But, but Paul Pierce is on the wizards for one of those years too, or no, he beat the wizards with the called. Was he on Brooklyn or the Wizards when he called game on the bank? I can't remember which one that was. Uh, I thought he was on the Wizards, I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think he was on the Wizards. He was also, yeah. Who else was on those teams? Was Chris Kamen still there? Was Chris Kamen oh, still playing on the Clippers? Oh my God. Yeah, I think so. That's crazy. Yeah. Wait, I just, like, I like, I like throwing Spencer the old names Haas. out there. Oh, Spencer Haas. Haas. He was a beast in NBA 2K11. Oh, NBA 2K11, uh, yeah, Spencer Haas. Jamal. Was, uh, Jamal, uh, what's his name? Uh, the uh, Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford was on those teams. That's right. Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes, by the way, were both on the 2014 Clippers. Oh, I didn't know Steven Jackson was on the Clippers. I mean, he got cut at some point, but still, he was at what? That was yeah, his last I, I, stop, I think, in the NBA. Um, yeah. Who else? Oh, Ryan Hollins was on those teams. I forgot about him. Oh, yeah, he's awful. Uh, he was in the Celtics for a bit, too. Yeah, so was uh, Big Baby Davis too. Big Baby Davis played on the Clippers at the actually, end of his yeah, career. actually, yeah. It's because it's because Doggers was the coach there, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, because um, the joke for Doc Rivers for years was like he would only sign former Celtics and people yeah, that were related to yeah. him. Yeah, bo- <laughs> yeah, Boston, Boston West. They used to call it. Yeah, it was Boston West. By the way, I like the idea of Doc Rivers going to the Lakers. Like that would be really interesting if that's how they ended up going across the board there. If they Did fired Doc, the, do you see Nick Nurse? Do you see? Oh, you think they're gonna fire Doc Rivers? It could be both. Could be both. Like if they get bounced in the second round and Maury wants to keep D'Antoni, then they could fire Doc and promote D'Antoni so that D'Antoni doesn't go coach. Or I guess D'Antoni. No, D'Antoni's with um, Brooklyn right now, so they could hire D'Antoni as coach um yeah i mean it could be both i don't know i don't know if doc necessarily has leverage do you see that video of doc being like all crabby with the reporter he's like we'll say this slow we'll say this slow (laughs) right now he's he's such a freaking the end like so i i know that it's probably annoying dealing with reporters because i i'm i'm not gonna lie i'm sure it's really frustrating but like it's their job dude 
Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't I don't know what you want them to do. That's what they that's their job. Yeah, that's I mean, it, there's a whole thing about this that I find interesting about how we cover stuff because players and coaches don't want the media access there used to be because it's annoying and they get clipped and all that stuff. The alternative is like media doesn't have access. So then they start talking about trades all the time. And so then the, the conversation around sports, like I saw a baseball article on bleach report yesterday. That's like, it's never too early to look at trades. I'm like, yes, it is. It's literally the first week of the season. It is too early to look at trades. And so that's kind of an interesting part of that. But yeah, I agree. Some, sometimes you got to just swallow your pride and answer questions because the media at times is in charge of writing some of the propaganda that helps boost the popularity yeah, no, of the I, league. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not telling you that it isn't. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, it's obvious that it's not right. And some of the things you say is ridiculous, but like it's still their job. If you, if you, if you schmooze the media, they're going to schmooze you. It's just kind of the way it works. Yeah. The Nick Nurse one, by the way, is interesting because Nick Nurse, why? That's all I would ask him is like, I get Toronto's not super exciting. Like, yeah, Precious Achua. He's probably a goat there. With the Lakers or Toronto? Why would he want to go to the Lakers? That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. why would he want to leave? He's probably a freaking god there in Toronto. uh, I mean, I can understand. I could understand leaving Toronto for a better job. I just don't think the Lakers is a better job. Yeah. I'm like, if you're leaving for the Bucks, I understand that. If you're leaving for, it's going to be a guaranteed oh job. It's it's even like maybe even the, like 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 I I don't even know what what position would be better. Unless it's like a lot of young studs that have like yeah. a long time. It 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 would just be to coach a player better than Precious Achua. Like that's just the reason you would leave. It's like a court yeah, yeah. a, a roster of all Precious Achuas is is kind of what the Raptors got the five seed with. Yeah, Pascal but, Siakam. Yeah, and Siakam, and they gave like Van Fleet making twenty five million a year is not a, a a sustainable strategy for winning. But they they outperformed expectations this year, like no doubt. They're they're a fine team. I thought they were going to be bad this year. I thought the Knicks were going to be fine and they were going to be bad. And instead, the Knicks are bad and Toronto's fine. Which again, I should have seen that Toronto really well run organization. New York Knicks not a well run organization. Well, yeah, I should have probably I, I, seen I, that. Coming. I knew that the Knicks were going to be were going to be butt cheeks. I just didn't know about Toronto. But I mean, they couldn't dude, even they, get they couldn't even get the play in though. You couldn't even get past the Hornets. Like, come on, man! You couldn't even get past the goddamn yeah. Hornets. Ugh. So embarrassing. Yeah, that well, that one's brutal for them. But Toronto, like, I can understand leaving for a good job. It's just the Lakers is not a good job unless you really like. Let's put it this way: there's only like four or five jobs in the NBA that he would leave for. It's basically the point I'm trying to get at. Dude, I couldn't even get more than two. I got, I got Milwaukee and like, I guess Memphis. Like, I I don't know. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't leave for Boston. I wouldn't leave for like. Like, it's really got to be like, yeah, Memphis is a good one. There's a bunch of young players that maybe, maybe the Pelicans. If like, if the if Zion. Oh God, no, no Zion. We're gonna. That's the other interesting thing. We're gonna find out this off season all this stuff because no one knows shit about Zion right now. It's just we're gonna find out this off season if he signs the supermax or not. Like push comes to shove, we're gonna find out in a few months how happy or not happy he is. So that would be interesting because his alternative is to sign a one-year qualifying offer and mm-hmm. then demand a trade. Like that's his alternative is I can leave in two years unrestricted unless you trade. So just trade me and they could do it. 
it's just, you know, the risk Zion is taking is what if you get hurt? But I think someone will pay Zion the max no matter what. Like, I think someone yeah, will talent. pay him. Yeah, someone yeah, will no pay him what. the max no matter what. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, we'll find out this offseason with the Zion thing. But even that, like, I wouldn't take that over the guarantee of Toronto. And I know Toronto's not great. Like, Toronto is not great. But Toronto can build something. Like, Toronto is a stable yeah. organization now. They can at least build something. Uh, it might not yeah. be better than the sixth best team in the East, but that's a that's a good landing spot. It can be a whole lot worse than being sixth team in the East and guaranteed job security. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's... I've got one Go MVP question for you too also. What's up? Because uh, I have arguments for each of the three players here, but I want to just throw it to you. What do you think about MVP this year? doesn't even have to be who you think is going to win. Just what have you made of the MVP race mm. this year? I, I think it's been really compelling. I'm, it's been very interesting, and I like the fact that it's all centers, basically. Like, I mean, not all centers, but you know what I mean. Like, like yeah. they're the number one. Two. As Daryl Morey calls it, super skilled fives, which is, hey, yeah. remember Steph Curry and all those things he taught us about the numbers? What if we made six eleven guys able to do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm probably gonna go with Jokic. I mean, like, I just, I just, I mean, like, I just don't see how you mm-hmm. don't. Like I just don't know. <laughs> like you know what all I mean? of I the just... all of the advanced offensive numbers are pro Jokic. Like it's just every yeah. single one is overwhelmingly pro Jokic. And he had the yeah, higher and like and, and like in like eye tests. I mean, like I I obviously am gonna say like you know Embiid had a great year, like obviously. But like mm-hmm. I just I don't know. Like how can you tell me that Jokic his team is sucks and they're like they're in the play? I mean, like it's it's because of him. Like they're like their team sucks. Yeah, yeah, I know. They're basically like the 2017 Orlando Magic without him, <laughs> and that's yeah. kind of terrible. Like, 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 yeah, yeah, like the Vucevic, basically, right? That, that, yeah. the, that, that the guy you're referring to, yeah. You mean empty stat Vucevic? Yes, Mr. Yeah, Mr. Nikola guy. empty stat Vucevic, uh, because, yep. again, I, I point out that the Orlando Magic had a higher offensive efficiency rating when he was off the floor than when he was on the floor during his six years in Orlando, but he scored 25 empty calorie points and got them a couple eight seeds and made a few all-stars. Um, but still, yep. like in a normal year where Jokic isn't doing this, like I think Giannis would be like the highest player efficiency rating in like seven of the last eight years. It just happened to be in a year where there's also Jokic. So I could hear that one. The one argument I'll make for Embiid is if we're going to be lazy and if we're going to tell the story of NBA history through MVPs, which is something that we do sometimes where we just immediately say this person won MVP this year, or this person won X many MVPs. If we're going to be lazy like that, we should give it to Embiid just because if we're telling an accurate story of NBA history, Giannis two MVPs, Jokic one, Embiid one, that would be the most accurate story. But best yeah. player this year was Jokic, and I could understand Giannis. If they do Giannis, I'm not going to be mad, but it it was Jokic. But it's just I just too- don't know. I just don't know how you could really argue Jokic and uh, not Jokic. Like I I know you could I could see the argument, I guess. But I don't really know how you can like really believe that. that. That's really what I mean. Like, I don't know how you can tell me that Jokic is not the MVP. Like, if you're like, oh, I can see why you know people are considering Embiid and uh, um, you know Giannis, but like Jokic has been ridiculous this year. Like, I mean, like he's been awesome. Yeah, he I mean, people will... even every single statistic. 
yeah, he leads his team in every statistic and leads multiple categories in these statistics. Like every offensive measure, he's amazing. The people, the one people throw out is they're the sixth seed in the West when the Nuggets won 48 games and Philadelphia and Milwaukee won 51 games. So it's not really that important there. But even well, they still, won 48 games. Yeah, they won 48 games last year. Then, so, so that's a perfect example of it's just that's that's awesome. That's just Sixers fans. I didn't even know that. Like just fans just pit, just just like uh, cherry picking stats. That's awesome. I did not know that. I love. Yeah, that. they've won forty eight games last. And by the way, Jokic played seven more games than Giannis and Embiid. So this makes it incredible. By the way, have I told you the thing about player efficiency rating before, where it's like basically the eye test statistic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like like almost like one out of ten of them didn't win or something. It's like big, it, it's, it's really, like it's like three. T- yeah, it's like three times in twenty years, and the only yeah, times yeah. they didn't was just like the most narrative seasons ever. Like there's a reason yeah. that none of the other ones, it was like 2009 Kobe was Kobe has to win an MVP before his career ends. So they just gave him an MVP, even though I think Chris Paul was number one that year in player efficiency rating. Um, then 2012 Derek Rose was like way down in player efficiency, but they're like, we don't want to give it to LeBron five years in a row. So let's give it to Derek Rose. And that's then a good, that's a, that's good how to do it. You know? Yeah. And then Westbrook 2017 was, but he averaged a triple double after Kevin Durant left and Westbrook got it over James Harden, which is the other thing I say about like the telling NBA history. If people are going to be lazy and say James Harden has one MVP, when I can take it slightly further out and say James Harden finished top two in the MVP four times in five years. Like if people want to be lazy on that front, then we need to recognize how good Embiid's been because it's going to be the second year in a row that he finishes second in MVP. Well, yeah, yeah. People, people just hate James Harden. I mean, there's a reason why. Like, I think he's just freaking. He's he's insufferable. He it's, really is. Yeah, it's. I mean, but, but that but that shouldn't be why you're voting. That's like the yeah. People are like, how could you have that much talent and not care about winning championships? Which he does kind of care about winning championships, but kind not of. so much that he would stop eating a fuck ton of food and going to strip clubs. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a he's an interesting cat, man. I mean, like, I mean, I mean, yeah, he, I mean, yeah. I, it already kind of feels like it's kind of not doing that well in Sixers land there, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah, no, I've I've heard smart basketball people. I put that in air quotes because I I don't like I don't want to take the opinions of smart basketball people that I don't understand all the things they're saying. But they're like, uh, Sixers <laughs> seem kind of fraudulent. They're like the Sixers seem kind of fraudulent. They're over dependent on free throws, defensive rating, things like that. I mean, I mean, I mean, my eye test will tell you that they have two really good players and a bunch of okay players so that is usually enough to do something but not win championship it's enough Where to get you my, past it's enough to get you past yeah. cleveland yeah yeah exactly my little brain says they're good enough to win one round and then we'll see what happens it's enough to beat bogdan bogdanovich that's what it's <laughs> enough to do. yeah 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 they're good enough to beat who to, to smack the guy in the first round and then they'll choke to someone in the second round just yeah. the way that that, that kind of rolls they can beat empty stat vucevic and his Chicago Bulls that finished exactly where I said they would because I said the entire year, Bulls are frauds, Bulls are frauds, Bulls are frauds, and they ended up in the sixth seed exactly where I said at the start of the season they would be was the sixth seed in the East, and they will get swept by the Bucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. I mean, but like, I'm sure, I'm sure, um, um, I'm sure that the Bulls fans feel really good about this year, though, obviously. 
you know, they should like, it, like, yeah, I, I will give the bulls credit though. Like, so they, they fucked up their rebuild real bad. Like they fucked up yeah. real bad in the rebuild. Like they, there was one crazy story where they were like, they went on a four game win streak the, to end the 2017 season and it was just totally meaningless. And because of that, they ended up getting the six pick in the lottery where if they had lost, they would have gotten the two oh, pick yeah. in the lottery. And that I, would have been, I remember that. That would have been, Luka, I think, I think, wow. I think, I think it was the Luca year. So I think they would have had the, the pick that the Kings had at number two and they could have taken Luca with that pick, but they like or, ended up getting or, like, or, or Trey or, you know, like, yeah. uh, like a bunch of other guys. It, I, th- it, I think they Luka ended up getting like, I think they ended up getting like Wendell Carter or something, but oh wait, wait, wasn't that the, uh, oh, wait, was it the Colby white year? I think Kobe White was the next year. Um, oh, okay, maybe maybe it was though. I'm not 100 yeah, sure, but, but I, I but thought the it was. Point is, I mean, Kobe White was is like an okay player. That's just what yeah. he's just, that's like just what he is. everyone not- everyone in that draft was good until it gets to them. Yeah, exactly. So it was like DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, Luca, Jaron Jackson, who's like fine, uh, Trey Young, then Mo Bamba, then with the seven, pick, I like they got Jaren Jackson. Yeah, seven pick. They got Wendell Carter Jr. Um, by the way, they nice. also passed on Colin Sexton, Michael Bridges, Shy Gilgis Alexander, and Miles Bridges with like four of the next five picks. Wow, so. that that draft was stacked. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can keep going with that's, this. He's got Michael Porter Jr. The down there too. Yeah, that. I mean, that's gonna be one of the best drafts. I mean, besides like obviously the 2003 draft, but that that draft is insane. 2018 is going to be up there. Yeah. I mean, what's the other really good one? Recently? What about the Tatum one? The Tatum one was good too, I think, wasn't it? 2017 was really good too. Um, so that one, I mean, other than Fultz and Lonzo. So you've got Tatum, yeah. uh, five De'Aaron Fox, six Jonathan Isaac. Uh, uh, yeah, who, 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 who's still very good, but he's like, you know, injured yeah. down there. But like 13 Donovan Mitchell, 14 Bam Adebayo. There's just a lot of crap in between. It's like Frank Natilakina, Dennis Smith. Zach Collins, yeah. Malik Monk. But there, yeah, but there's really good players in there, though. Oh, Malik Monk's yeah. actually not too bad. What's another one that had a generational star? Um, I guess what, maybe what's 20, the honest one? 2013, but that one's like famous for being the Anthony Bennett draft. Like that's one where it was like yeah, yeah. really bad yeah, other than that Giannis. That was an awful one. Uh, um, what about uh, Joel Embiid? I think that was the uh, that was the uh, was uh, Andrew Wiggins one. Fourteen, yeah, that was twenty fourteen. Wiggins with Marcus Smart. Yeah, Marcus Smart was six. Um, Aaron Gordon was four. Marcus Smart. Who won uh, after Marcus Smart? Julius Randle was the seven pick. Then it yeah. was Stauskas, Noah Vonleh, um, Alfred Payton. <laughs> um, oh, Okay, we could go to 13. It's got Zach Levine. So I guess Zach Levine is okay. Would um, you rather have, would you, if you're the Celtics, would you rather have Marcus Smart or it's probably Zach Levine if you, if you're really push? I'm just trying to think of like, cause I feel like, I feel like the picks the Celtics um, have had over the years, they've basically nailed all the picks. Uh, like a high picks. Like I'm not, I'm not the like low yeah. ones, but like, you know, the, the Tatum draft and the Brown draft, you can argue that those two are the best in both drafts. L- look at the Jalen Brown draft. It's actually pretty interesting. That was uh 20. Yeah, I think that 16, was the ben, that was the Ben Simmons one. And like you can I mean I think Jalen Brown's better than Marcus. I mean uh Ben Simmons, don't you? Uh 
Well, Man, right that's now, tough. I mean, would you? I mean, it's, right, it's yes, right now, yes. But if you're asking me, would I rather have Ben Simmons or Jalen Brown? Yeah. I might go Ben Simmons. But, but Jalen Brown right, has but... gotten significantly better, though. Like he's Man, like she's really good now. This draft was better than I thought too. So it had Brandon Ingram too, which of course I knew that that was the baby Laker yeah. pick. Um, yeah, Buddy yeah. Heal. By <laughs> yeah. the way, fun fact: Brandon Ingram. I mean, they might again. They might win the play-in, but Brandon Ingram still has never made the playoffs in his NBA career. Which is so disappointing because he's a good player. I like him a lot. Yeah, but he's like always the best player on his teams. And if Brandon Ingram's your best player, then you're like, you know, he's kind of like Wiggins. Brandon Ingram's kind of like Wiggins. If he's your best player, you're not going to make the playoffs. If he's your fourth best player, you're the Warriors. No, let's see. Wig Brandon Ingram also has had shitty development. Like Lakers and Pelicans is a shitty place to develop your basketball skills. Um, Yeah, I would agree. Even pick six is Buddy Heald, um, Jamal Murray, pick seven, Sabonis, 11, um, Chris Levert down there. Um, that was a pretty, Pascal Siakam was 27. So, like, it was a pretty good draft. Well, that um, was a gem. Yeah. Siakam was really good there. Also, Malcolm Brogdon, but, you know, yeah. Malcolm Brogdon has kind of faded a little bit, but Malcolm Brogdon yeah, did no, win Rookie of the Year. He's a good player, though. He was, yes. he was a good player for a little bit. I mean, he actually, he had a really good, he had a really, I think he was injured. Um, I think he's injured right now, I'm pretty sure, but he had a pretty good time there. Yeah. Oh, he was really good with the Bucks. I'll never forget um, 2019. Well, no, the, and, and he was good in the Pacers too at one point too, I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah. He averaged 21 a game last year. Yeah. Yeah. He had a good year. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, he was good in the box. Oh, I was going to say, I'll never forget. I was watching Inside the NBA in 2019 and they like did the on-site thing because this was before the pandemic. And so they interviewed Malcolm Brogdon on the set after and they they like said, Malcolm, you're two games away from going to the NBA finals. I was like, damn, that's crazy to think about. The Bucks are two games away from the NBA finals. And then, you know, Kawhi and the Raptors happened after that. They lost the next four. And then they never got back until next year. Like it took two years for them to get back. And Brogdon was gone by that point. Like they, they gave Chris Middleton that giant extension and didn't sign Brogdon back. And then I think they traded for Brooke Lopez after that. So it kind of turned out okay. But would you, you could know. argue though that, that that wasn't the right move? I, I probably actually Chris Middleton's interesting. Chris Middleton's no, so no, you want to keep Brogdon. You, you, I mean, like price, I understand that, but. I mean, this is the thing you said about Levine versus Marcus Smart. Like, purely on talent, I want Zach Levine, but I remember it took a long time for Levine to get to the place Bro, he Levine is now. Was, Levine was just like a freaking. There's so many guys in the NBA like with Zach Levine that are just like so raw, and they just can't figure it out. And then he just figured it out when he was on. Um, he really <laughs> figured it out maybe the last year he was on the Timberwolves. Then he went to uh, the the Bulls for. Yeah, um, but I Jimmy I will Butler remind you again that. Uh, a week from now will be the first playoff game Zach Levine has ever played in his NBA career. So that's crazy. maybe, yeah, like maybe if he ends up on Boston, like his development is different, but like for the championship runs, the Celtics had where like they made back-to-back conference finals and then 2020, they made the conference finals. Like for that run that they had, Marcus Smart was like an integral piece because he was already developed by the time he got to College, yeah. Or by the time he got out of college, he was already like yeah, a developed he, prospect. And Zach Levine, yeah, was like he 19. also had a couple of years. Yeah, how many years was he? I think he was there for maybe two years, something like that. Maybe, yeah, was it four but, years. 
I don't I, think it was four years, but I I don't think he would have been drafted that high if it was four years. But it was yeah. it was something yeah. like that. Doesn't really matter though. But yeah, but yeah, basically the same. Yeah, we're saying the same thing. But yeah, no, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, I. 2015 is the last one I can think of because that one had like Carl Towns and um, had Carl Towns and uh, what's it called? What's his name? Devin Booker. Those were, they were in that draft oh, yeah. class. But yeah, I think I think your winner is going to be 2018. The the Luca Trey Young draft class is probably going to be the winner on this on this game yeah. of figuring out what the best draft class is. It's probably going to be that one. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm a, but like high end talent. It's got to come from there, you know. Because that one also had Aiton, and like DeAndre Aiton's really good <laughs> yeah. too. Um, yeah, he's so bum. Yeah, Michael Porter Jr. That's that one's. He's fine. also. I, I think he just. I think he just existed in the wrong time. Like if he was younger, if he was like in the back, he'd be like one of the big. Would be he'd be one of the studs, you know. Yeah, I know. This it's. Gosh, I have a whole theory about the the Suns at this point because Jokic is a free agent after next season. We don't talk about that a lot. Like Jokic can leave Denver, and if he decides he doesn't want to resign, which he I know he said he wanted to be the Tim Duncan of Denver, but would you want to stay in Denver with those two <laughs> shitty contracts? Would honestly, you want to? <laughs> honestly, I just feel like he's that guy. I just don't think he cares. It's a kind of we- I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know what to feel about him. I just don't. He's, He's not in the the championship is the most important thing mindset, like to the degree of I'm going but to maybe stack he things. Is, but he's just like, I want to win it on my own terms type of thing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't want to stack rosters and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He gives me like kind of like a Damian Lillard vibe a little. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's very interesting, though. Yeah. I, so if he leaves this offseason, the, the Suns have a ready-made package there. It's Aiton, it's Cam Johnson, it's all of your draft picks. Like you can make that happen. Uh, they just, that would be one. If Jokic is trying to navigate it there, oh, I want to see it so bad. I want to see Devin Booker as a true number two behind Jokic and then Chris Paul also in there. Oh, it would be so much I fun. I mean, that team would be ridiculous. It would be so fun. It would be so fun. And they would probably win the championship almost outright, but gosh, giving Jokic a chance to actually play Giannis would be cool just because they're the two best players of their generation. I mean, Embiid right there too, like no diss to Embiid. Has yeah. Philly and Milwaukee had a series yet? I'm trying to think. Have uh, they ever, I'm not sure they've ever matched up in the playoffs yet. Uh, What's I don't think so. Milwaukee 2019. They beat Boston and Philly lost to Toronto 2020 bubble. Oh, the, the Milwaukee lost to the heat and the Sixers were bad that year. And then last year they were supposed to play in the conference finals and then Philadelphia choked. So I guess they haven't played yet. You know, haven't gotten Giannis versus Embiid in the playoffs yet. Hmm. So all, we have all these generational, this might be part of like, other than the international thing, which I think is kind of real that like all of the NBA stars now are international. And yeah. It's kind of, dope i kind of love it i love it but we love the nba like if you're a casual nba fan and you're trying to invest in the stakes and storylines you have to pick up the storyline now which you can do you just didn't get lebron since high school zion williamson since high school of like investing in that story but even still like i think that they all exist at the same time but we don't get the matchups in the playoffs which is fine because like 
Philadelphia has other rivals like Philly and Brooklyn is an awesome rivalry <laughs> like Miami and Philadelphia. I'm so excited for Miami to play Philly, assuming that like Cleveland is the eight seed and Toronto is the five seed. Like I want yeah. Miami and Philly so bad in the second round because those yeah, dudes definitely. hate each other. They hate each other. And Jimmy Butler hates Philadelphia and it would be so good. Not as good as Brooklyn and Philly, but you know, the next best thing after that. Yeah, definitely. Dude, I'm super excited for the playoffs. I know you said it too. Yeah, too. Like I'm so yeah, I'm just ready for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready, ready to go. It. I'm going to actually watch. I mean, again, it's already over by the time people are listening to it, but I'm going to watch so much of the Cavs and nets and, the Ant-Man and I guess the Clippers. Who's the is Paul George back? Paul George is back for the Clippers, I think. Yeah. So I guess yep. the seven seed Clippers, which I argued last year, if you took Kawhi Leonard off the Clippers, they were basically a seven seed. And then they got, you know, smacked by the Suns. <laughs> yeah, um, but they also, but they also just didn't have any of their play. I, I, I think if Paul George is healthy, they're like a top five. 16 i guess i guess 17 like right around there i, guess I was gonna say that. like they're too. they're trying to catch Jokic. like Jokic yeah, was the sixth seed true. in the west this year yeah that's true so. yeah but yeah but to your point though the six and seven seeds are so different in the west because like you know Jokic is what do you say he was uh, um at 58 uh, um 48 uh, sorry, wins. Uh, 48 yeah. wins like that's insane yeah. that's a lot of wins yeah yeah i think everyone was so close this year that it was just kind of weird like i think philly boston and milwaukee yeah, all finished yeah. 51 and 31 or whatever i'm pretty it was. sure i saw this thing that said that if you, the if the um if the i think the first seed in like the the uh, sorry sixth seed or something in the Eastern conference, we're all split up by like, I don't know, like five or six. It was really close. Yeah. Like, like Toronto won 48 like, games. I was like, how did that happen? How did Toronto yeah. win 48? Yeah. Games? When did that happen? Yeah. Seriously. The, part of it is tanking now. Like there's, oh, there's so many teams that are bad. Like this year, there was like, there are 20, there are barely 20 good teams. And like the Spurs had to make the play in round, even though they like yeah. actively tried to tank at the deadline, they still made the play in round. So yeah, I, yeah, there just were so many bad teams this year. Also NBA regular season, kind of irrelevant. A lot of people rest. Yeah. And I think that prevents them from doing what like Phoenix had where Phoenix won, like what 67 games or something. Yeah. Something like that. Did Fe- how many games did Phoenix end up winning? 60, 65, I think something like that. I mean, they, 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 they got, uh, yeah, they broke the franchise record. Uh, whatever that was. Yeah, but like they were just way ahead the entire season because I think they were like the only team that had like other than Memphis that had more than like fifty one. Yeah, think. no, no, yeah, they 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 won like the streak when they won like they won like twenty five like or like or like eighteen games in a row or something like something like that. So like, and then actually the the Celtics broke that streak when they came to Boston, but they weren't they like a bunch of their guys didn't play, so it was like one of those things. Damn, I, I did not realize that. Memphis was the yeah, they, second best record in the league this year, though. Yeah, no, Memphis was insane. They had they I think that they had more wins without John Morant than like I saw at Stat News post. There was like something they had they had more than an actual team. I can't remember. But yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. That was, was um but. I mean, they won 20 games. They won 20 games, or I guess they won their last game of the year too. So 21 games without John Morant. Did anyone yeah, not win yeah. 21 games? 
uh, uh oh the rockets oh, 120 it was, it was the rockets. yeah yeah it was the rockets, <laughs> rockets yeah, yeah. 120 by the Awful. way did you see that jalen green interview at the end where they they said uh, like, what'd you yeah what'd you learn this season that i'm a bucket <laughs> i love him i mean I love him awesome. love i yeah. love i just love gen z stars i love that there are nba stars that were born after 2000 now it's so fun uh like, ant-man was born in ant-man is 2000 i think oh, jalen green is 2002 I think Jalen Green is Ant-Man's my guy. Ant-Man's yeah. my guy. He's hilarious. Yeah, Jalen Green is born in 2002. I, I love that there are Gen Z superstars now in the NBA. Give me, give me the Ant-Man. Um, I hope he yeah, doesn't. On okay, so they're probably going to play Memphis in the first round, which is going to be like the NBA TV classic, which is like just tiny yeah. markets that they're going to put on NBA TV, like the thing they always do <laughs> to the Nuggets, except the Nuggets play yeah. the Warriors this year. So they're going to get on cable television, but I just want something with the Ant-Man. Just give us something interesting. No, he's, just, he's awesome. He's awesome. He's a stud. He's fun too. Like he's like one of those guys that like, you're like, I don't know. I'm all in on the Ant-Man. Yeah. He's going to be, I, I look at him like he's going to be one of those like tier three superstars down the road where he's like every year in 2028, we're penciling in Anthony Edwards for the all-star game. Like that's yeah. kind of how I think he's going to be. And yeah, that's good. It's good for Minnesota because now they have two of those guys. They got him and they got Carl Towns, which yeah, for I think sure. we I, I think we talked about that last time with them. Like Minnesota only gets good players when they're generational talents with the number one pick, yeah. or D'Angelo Russell with the number two pick. For sure. All right. Well, thanks cool. for spending cool, the time. I appreciate it, dude. Yeah. Um, enjoy Absolutely. the rest of your day. We'll chat again soon, even if it's not yeah, on a podcast. Cool. We'll chat again soon. Yeah. Bro. Yeah, 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 for sure. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We'll